Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 136 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you, and oftentimes to ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher-level overviews and fundamentals and the occasional how-to of systems, settings, and game mechanics. I am John Max Leoslo, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me, as usual, is the man who refuses to die in space, Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. How are you today, That's sir? Right. The universe will not destroy me. If anyone's going to destroy me, it'll be me. It's a slow grind to death. No matter how hard you try, we're no. all born terminally ill in space. No, I am immortal. I will live forever beyond the universe. All right. So how was your week? It was good. It was good. I had okay. fun. Uh, last night on MechWarrior, we finished the, the story missions. Yeah, your story mission... I don't know if they've changed. It just didn't feel right to me. Like when I went through now, I went through mine when the game first came out and I seem to remember there being fewer mechs and a lot bigger ones. Hmm. But I could be wrong. I could just be completely misremembering. it. So. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Okay. That's good. But uh, yeah, we, we finished story one, but I got a new appreciation for little itty bitty mechs. I mean, they're fun. It's faster. Everything moves faster. Things die quicker. You well, you die quicker too. But everything else dies quicker as well. So it's even, you know. And uh, jump jets are neat when uh, you know they're on little things. They go wee. Little da 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 da. da. Oh, died. But hey, that's part of the fun. And here's the funny thing about it: if Heathen Dog hadn't cheated, he'd have known about this a long time ago. He'd have to have gone back to Little Mex. Yeah. Because he hey, would have ran what? out of money so so quickly that he would have been like, ah, crap, got to go do the little mechs again. Do five or six missions of those just to build up enough to go back to the big mechs. See, that is the difference between regular people and super rich people. They live in a different world. Like Battletech fans should have said, he's House Steiner. He should have just played <laughs> House Steiner the entire way because that would have fit. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. A Steiner scout, scout Lance? Oh, and Hunter's Hunters. It's fine. Everything's cool. I can That's the it. meme. That's the meme anyway. But uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Update on uh, on the Dirty Casuals. We are going to play two new games. Wow. Our last DDO is Thursday. And then we are going to play two new games on Saturdays and Thursdays. We don't know what yet. But we've we've got, we have a plan to get over our hump of there's four <laughs> of us and one of us invariably hates a certain kind of game. And if you go through all four of our hates, that's every game in existence. Yeah, exactly. Every time somebody comes up with be, a game, no, yeah. I don't want to play that. <laughs> one person's going to be pissed off, but we have a way to get over that. This is how it's, how it's going to work. We're going to vote on each game. The game that gets three votes wins. The person who hates that game gets to choose the game for the other day. I have one caveat to that to please what? be careful of. Not yeah. some crazy esoteric game that nobody's ever going to at least make it a watchable game. No, what what we're our first our first idea is free to play or cheap to play. Okay, you know, $10 or less game or a game that's that's old enough to where, you know, whatever. But the second is something that isn't grindy or sloggy or won't uh, won't, won't keep someone's attention. You know, if if we're like for example, if we're going to play uh uh, strategy game 
it's most likely going to be a real time strategy rather than turn based because turn based can easily get too slow to watch. Yes. And I know Garthon is going to be upset at that because he wants to play Civ Six, and it's it's uh, it's turn based. But, but I don't uh, think Garthon is the problem with that. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, but real time strategy is is where we're going to go if we do a strategy game. But you know, other games, whatever. And it has to have a. You have to be able to play four people. And so, what about what about the other ones? The other ones can be like an action game. It, it it's a vote. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. We'll find out. I okay. voted that they should play GTFO. Sheris, Sheris, I got Sheris on board with that one. <laughs> uh, Coco Shuko says, uh, Castlevania is the best gamey. I don't, that's, uh, I don't know. You, you, yeah, you're just canceled. Sorry. Or it could just be a typo. No. So, um, yeah, so, so you were saying some good things about light mechs. Let's, let's hear that for a second. Okay. Uh, like they're fast. They're fun. Jump jets are extremely useful like i used jump jets a couple times on medium mechs and they were like meh you know i was like meh it'll get over this little obstacle maybe but other than that yeah but with light mechs oh you can jump mountains in a single bound you uh jump sniping is actually a thing that works with the medium mech it didn't work at all and uh you have a lot more forward momentum because you're going much faster so it's much more useful and if there's if fun. there's one thing uh, that I think that PGI did better with MechWarrior Online than with MechWarrior 5 was the jump jets. And I don't know if it's because they tweaked them differently for the purposes of a uh, multiplayer, you know, player versus player type stuff, or if there was something that they didn't like in MechWarrior Online that they toned them down in, in uh, MechWarrior 5. Maybe they didn't want jump sniping in MechWarrior 5 or something, but that's... Uh, because I in MechWarrior Online, I ran a Vindicator with uh, two ER PPCs on it. And I just spent the entire game moving from point to point, jump snipe, jump snipe, jump snipe, and move to another point, jump snipe, jump snipe. I couldn't stay in one place too long because I was a media mech, and you know people like to take big things that can easily mess with you. Yep. But uh, I, I would pop out and somebody ping a target, I'd jump up, I'd probably take one errant shot because I didn't know exactly where it was, but then after that I'd have it targeted in, and I'd just start hitting with the RPPCs. I can't do that in MechWarrior 5 at all. Well, the, the PPCs in MechWarrior 5, I, I, I can't play them. Yeah, that is, that is true. The PPCs definitely fire different, at least from the yeah. last time. I mean, maybe MechWarrior Online's like that now too, but I haven't actually I haven't played in like what three, four years. But uh, uh, yeah, the the PPCs fire low. It's really weird. Yeah, low and and when you fire them, it I even though I know I'm on target and it's supposed to be an almost instantaneous thing. It's not a laser. It's not completely instantaneous, but it's almost instantaneous. I never hit. I don't understand. I mean, I with a with a with an auto cannon. I can, I can, I, I use that auto kind of like a freaking beamer. Sometimes I can hit someone a thousand meters away. That's actually the best weapon. Well, if you can do that, then maybe I was wrong yesterday when I said, stay away from the Gauss rifle. If you can actually hit at range with auto cannon fives, twos and Gauss, rifle, then Gauss rifle might be your weapon of choice. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't with, know that. I didn't auto, know that you were hitting that well with them. Oh yeah, with an auto cannon twenty, it has an effective range of what? Well, that's AC twenty, six hundred, yeah. but I can hit someone at almost a thousand. You just have to, you just have to aim it right, and you can still hit. I can do that. It's great. But with a PPC, I can't hit broadside of a barn. I don't know why. It just doesn't work for me. But Mar Hawkman says, uh, is it that big mechs can't use enough jump jets to actually be useful? You have to put, if, they, if, a, if a larger mech has jump jet slots, you have to put so many in there 
to be to be where I consider it useful that you almost have to sacrifice something else. Jump jets on assault mechs are meant to just traverse terrain. They're not meant for jump sniping. No, no. You, it's just to get over little humps or get over little walls or get over whatever to like surprise an enemy. Like surprise, get, some, get, some, then, get some high ground so that you can get yeah. a better shot off. You know, things yeah, like that. that. That's all it's for. But for a light mech, you can do so much more and it's so much more versatile, useful. It's great. Hello, Charlotte. Now, Marauder 2 is new tech and I don't, I don't get what new tech. <laughs> but the regular Marauder, hell yeah, I got my, my uh, mech bay is filled up with Marauders and Warhammers. Right. That that was that was me. What about you? Um, my I don't even remember my week. Um, <laughs> we oh we had the members only stream on Friday. We did, yes. So, uh, and I'm still trying to find a way. So what what I've done for it's just so folks know for the members only stream, uh, I I can't stream it to Twitch because the RPG Digest Twitch account apparently doesn't have enough hours in order for me to make it subscriber only over there. Uh, I mean, I could stream it to the Legion of Myth account, which does, but that's all video games now. So anyway, it's yeah, that, that's a problem. Rumble doesn't have the ability to do a members only. So what I kind of have to do at this point, and I'm very limited in this as well, is I have to download the members only stream and then put it up on locals. So there's only two places you can uh, support us to see the members only stream, and that's uh, locals and... Uh, YouTube and I'm and I won't even guarantee the local stuff because there's such limitations on locals I can't keep them up I'm only allowed five gig and with this video that I put up today was one gig so that means I can have a maximum of five videos up there before I have to start deleting them that uh, is weird yeah, well wait, wait, I mean, is, is there a, is there a pay thing where you could have unlimited no it's a subscriber thing oh subscriber thing yeah uh so I know people don't want to use YouTube. I get it. I don't want you using YouTube either. I'd love everything to be on Rumble. Rumble isn't there yet with everything, okay? It's building up. It's doing some awesome things. I love Rumble to death. It just doesn't have all the features that we need. And so I have to, and I, you know, I feel really bad because one of the people has donated. I mean, he makes Crafty. He gives Crafty a run for his money as far as uh, donations and tithes and so forth go. And he's got us on Twitch and Rumble, but the one place he can watch the members only stream is YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I there's just nothing i can do to get around that until and now somebody will probably say well just unlist it and uh give us the link when i did that in the past we had a couple of nefarious individuals on our discord and uh that link got passed around and it got clipped up into things that were used against me now i don't really care about that if i didn't want things used against me i wouldn't have the friday night chill stream but I want you guys as members to have that space to be members. Yeah. I don't need that stuff clipped up and put out for everybody. So if I unlist it, yeah, it might sound great in theory, but people do pass around those links. So anyway, so with, with that, uh, that said, um, other than that, I mean, what, what, yeah, I played in MechWarrior last night with you. Uh, I'm working on some things. I do heathen dog, heathen dog. I'm saying this on stream in case I forget. I have to talk to you about my game. I've got a pitch for you that I think you might enjoy, or he'll oh. hate it. Oh. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that after. No uh, middle ground, huh? It's it really, it's all going to depend on what you think about the next few series we cover in segment okay. one. Okay. People need to just stop invoking your name and try to win arguments. Don't. Yeah, you don't know what? That's crafty. how the internet works. I mean. And Crafty, stop trying to. to <laughs> I know you're trying to get under people's skin. Stop it. Please, just do that on Friday. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, you, it's, it's the same thing as asking the internet to stop invoking Hitler when you're losing an argument. No. Right? <laughs> it's oh, not going to happen. I should have done that last night. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. I got him. Never mind. All right. Jim right. Fritz, if you're watching, got the message. Sorry, just the timing of that was funny. All right. So, okay. Let's go um, through the proclivities and let's start this yeah, thing. Yeah, because I can't think of anything else I did this week. So, get that off the screen. I got it. I'm going to get set up beforehand. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. What am I uh, looking for? Oh, the book. <laughs> good, good plan. Yeah. So glad this is a live stream. Yeah, it's great. I'm so glad this isn't going up as a. You know, for like a month, I've been telling myself I need to record a video of the proclivities. I've scripted one of them. Okay, I've scripted one of them. Mm -hmm. I need to script the other two. So what does that mean? Why am I scripting all these things? Because I'm gonna have a 60 second one, a 30 second one, and a 15 second one, or thereabouts. I don't care about exact times. I'm not doing this as an advertisement. I still haven't recorded them yet. So. Uh... All right. Uh, so you guys can't hear the bleep bleeps. Our Discord isn't coming over. Good. Nope. All right. So proclivities. Where are my proclivities? There we go. We want to thank all you weirdos out there. That's right. Every one of you weirdos that I just talked about that wants to donate to us through some way. And some of you are freaking amazing. So uh, with, with those donations, we really do appreciate that. So uh, gracious donations. kind of weird. You are kind of weird, absolutely. But those donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back Legion Myth community as a whole. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Most of the money right now is going to a new computer for me. This one is dying quickly. <laughs> I was telling Heathen Dog before the stream here that I don't even think the overclocking's working anymore. After, I might be wrong. After Tuesday, you can buy mine. I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got something in the works here. All right. So, what is this? Okay, I, I got the micro center deal. Yeah, um, well, we can talk about that in a little bit. We're, we're, oh, so anyway, we have nearly, we actually, we have over 4,200 YouTube subscribers, and we are thankful for each and every one of you. But yes. just so you guys know, there will still be giveaways and so forth. But um, in fact, a few people who have donated money have said, Max, use this for your new computer or use this for yourself. I don't want this going to a giveaway. You know, I'm giving to you guys for the stuff that you do. So, you know, now on the other hand, Heathen Dog gets, you know, Heathen Dog has a pimp. <laughs> Actually, His no, he has, slick a, back. he has a John. <laughs> and it's not me. But, uh, anyway. So anyway, check the description below for the links to various Legion Miss sites, social media, Discord, etc. etc. I thought I had this right and I was wrong. It's just the story of my day today. But I'm in a good mood. I got ten and a half hours of sleep, so that's helpful, right? Everybody should get ten and a half hours of sleep. All right. So for segment one today, we are going to finish up the Hyperborea series. I know, I know you're all sad because there's a lot more we could cover. We could cover the referees manual as well. But really, at this point, you either want the game or you don't. Or by the time we're done today, maybe maybe the combat system is what is holding you back. Like, I love the character classes. The adventure rules seem neat and understandable. I'm loving what, what they're putting out there. But how is combat? Because you've never played original Dungeons & Dragons before. 
that that could be a thing. I'm sure it is. So hopefully today we sell it to you. And at that point, you don't the referee's manual isn't what's going to sell the game to you. Just know that the referee's manual is just as thick as the player's manual has a lot of good stuff in it. I think I showed it off in the first video, right? I almost put up your segment too. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Did you see the guy that joined our Discord today that said uh, he saw hashtag RPGate, wanted to know what it was about, came over and says, hey, these are my kind of people. Well, we're your kind of people. That's cool. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. I'm going to have to turn off Discord here if that doesn't stop believing. <laughs> Join us Thursdays and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionmyth to watch He the Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. about to start a couple of new games what are those games we don't know yet so we're all going to be surprised together it's gonna be great and here on our youtube channel you can watch these game related segments live every sunday at 1 p.m central time or check out the friday night chill stream where our panel of guests opine comment and editorialize on the ttrpg hobby as a whole and this upcoming friday we're going to be talking about uh children uh, how to run games for children should be interesting I don't run games for children. I ha I have content that's not safe for anybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, Max used to run games for children, but the cop said buying a panel <laughs> van and giving out candy is not a good idea. It gives the wrong message. So he decided to quit. He can't do it his way. He's not doing it. Okay, hold on a second here. They just added like 19 pits. Subscribe while I'm going nuts here. Okay, <laughs> I've got to shut off my Discord. Do it. Close it. If GM Fritz or anybody's, I hope it's close. If GM Fritz or anybody's watching, you guys are blinging through my live stream. Stop it. <laughs> All right, let's put the book up here. Okay. And here we are. Now, today theoretically is going to be long, but it's not. Well, I can't say that because as soon as I jinxed myself, now it's going to be great. Um, so here's the plan for this plan is hold on discord apparently isn't fully shut off yet right there quit discord there i'm out um so the plan for today is we're going to cover combat the important things that we're going to cover are going to be the combat matrix things like saving throws uh we're going to look at the fact that there are other options in the game but we are not going to address them unless something really strikes heathen dogs fantasy fantasy fancy um we are not going to go over every combat option we would be here even though it's only what six uh, 26 pages we will be here forever because we're probably going to explain some things okay the goal is just the basics but have you understand it when we're done so 260 so 261 boom right so combat first thing you're going to notice is Let's just go right to the chart. Unskilled weapon attack penalty. Do you remember when we talked about character classes? And it said you can use these weapons. For the warrior, it was all of them. Well, for the magician, it wasn't all of them. It was things like dagger, staff, whatever else, <laughs> sling. 
that was in there, right? Well, let's say you're a magician of some sort and you want to use a two-handed sword. It's what you're, you got, right? It's what you got. It's what's in front of you. What's going to happen is you are going to have an attack penalty of minus four. Put a minus four to your die roll. Okay. Then when you compare it, well, when you compare it to the combat matrix, which we have looked at the combat matrix a little bit when we went through character. I, I don't think Heathen Dog was here that day, yeah. but uh, we did look at it when we went through the character classes. We'll take a look at it a little bit more in a bit, but it'll be minus four to that roll. That makes it, what, a 20% more difficult attack. One of the things that I want to stress is stop saying, I can't use a sword. Yes, you can. You're just going to suffer a minus four. Now, is 20% a lot? Depends on the fight, really. It could be. But if, you, if you're a fifth level magician swinging at a goblin, or, okay, they probably Lots aren't goblins. have gone wrong to get you to that point. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Mistakes were made or, or situations turned pear-shaped on you, and this is what you got. Stop bitching and try and save your life. Right. I probably shouldn't have said a goblin because it's Hyperborea, but, you know, again, D&D mindset. Cleric is minus two, except for the priest and shaman, and that does make sense for them because... It does, because the, the, the druid and the monk are much more of a martial-type base. So the, and the cleric itself have, is. Yeah, the, the, they would have more of a, a rounded education on, on things that hurt people. And the thieves all get minus two because, you know, they've got to fight. Now, why isn't the warrior on here? Because he didn't get oh, minus for anything. Right. I already gave yeah, you the answer to that. Real. Can use any weapon. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense. A real person has this. Look, guys, it's a tabletop role-playing game. It's one of the things I've been talking about a lot recently with regard to other games. I used to be like this. Heathen Dog probably was around when I did it a few times. I used to have kind of a simulationist mindset. This is just a tabletop role-playing game. You're to play a hero in a Conan-esque pulpy world. Enjoy it. You're a warrior. You can use everything. Okay. And then was it? They had the weapon mastery or whatever it was called anyway. So now you want new weapon skills. Do you remember again? A lot of this is already baked into character creation, which is an amazing thing about this book. Do you remember that at fourth, eighth and 12th level, you could gain a new weapon skill. Can it be any weapon skill or it has to be in your repertoire of class no, all of those all of those weapons that it lists it's not like weapon proficiencies from our second edition days you mm -hmm. automatically get all of those okay. now you get to add any more so let's oh, see what it says okay okay so if if you are that that fifth level uh pyromancer or cryomancer or whatever and you and you have a two-handed sword people are going to laugh at you until you use it correctly because at fourth level you you took that proficiency yes Oh, by the okay. way, please, please monitor chat for anything that pops up. That's okay. good uh, for us to respond to. So learning a new weapon is dependent upon training and practice. A player can defer development of a new weapon skill if proper practice and training are not possible. Classes whose favored weapons are any need not concern themselves with the addition of new weapon skills unless they're exposed to weird or alien weapons outside of the human experience. <laughs> okay, let's say that again, because that's funny. Weird or alien weapons outside of the human experience. Why does this game say that? Two reasons. Uh, because there, there are some stuff that is just uh, old tech or alien based or, or so, so uncomprehensible to the normal person that they're just not going to be able to learn it. Good answer. The answer I was looking for, but, but you talked around that, 
was this. This is a game of weird fantasy. That means there are alien ray guns in the game. Pew pew. Yes. Now, they're not exactly used like, you know, just some random laser from Buck Rogers or something, but I was you say could Duck Dodgers, but okay. Duck Dodgers, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> weapon mastery, fighters in the subclass are eligible for weapon mastery. We talked about that with the uh, we just want to talk about combat today. We talked about that with uh, character creation. Just want to talk about combat. But what does weapon mastery confer? A plus one to hit. So, you roll that die, you're adding one to it. Plus one damage bonus. Whatever the die roll is, if you roll a d6, it's d6 plus one. Sure. Plus strength, plus whatever. Increased attack rate. What does that mean? Well, let's look over at this chart. Can you guys see that chart? Hopefully. Can I zoom in one? Yeah, I'll zoom in one. Yeah, let's go to... Uh, I want to look at a sword. Let's just go with a regular... Yeah, That's, rate of fire type thing. I get it. Uh, melee weapon, close quarter. Okay. So this is every melee weapon. Ni nice and simple, right? Normal people attack once per every uh, one attack every round. You master, if you're first to sixth level, if you've mastered it between first and sixth level, you get three attacks every two rounds. What does that mean? Two attacks first round, one attack the round it, after. It says that specifically two, one, not one, two. I thought it did, but I'm not sure. But that's just the traditional way of doing it. So. Uh, no, no, it says it right there. One attack, one round, two attacks next. It's one, under, two, not two, one. Where do you see that? Underneath attack rates defined. It says three, three slash oh, two okay. equals that's one weird. attack, one round, two attacks the okay. next. That's that's backward to the way the traditional way of doing it. I know cool. that, that's that's why I wanted to clarify that because a lot of games do that differently. Okay. Well, then there you go. If you're playing this, I would probably still go the other way only because I have it. But uh, yeah, right there. All right, and then finally, two attacks every round if you're a master of the weapon and between 7th and 12th level. Yep. And oh, of oh. course, this, this is adding in the your, your natural fighter bonus. When you get 7th level, your attack rate goes up to 3-2 to normally. Mm -hmm. And you can only be a master of something if you are a fighter, so it's all built into it. All right, let's... Uh, that's for range. Don't really care. Okay, so... Encounter. Reaction. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Reaction table. Not every encounter is hostile. When the party encounters a person or intelligent monster and, uh, and parlay occurs, the speaker's charisma score can influence the outcome. Sure. The referee rolls 2d6, applies reaction loyalty adjustment, if applicable, and then consults the po uh, following table. Now, I have running through my head here because I wanted to shout this out before I finished even reading that. This, to me, is something you do with uh, wandering creatures, or as Crafty, I think, said on, on a live stream uh, with this, when you just want to have the, who knows what's going to happen here, let's figure it out. I don't use reaction when it's a planned encounter. If it's something that I want them to fight, or I want them to negotiate with, which is probably fewer than the actual random ones, I won't always use this table. Your mileage may vary. But yeah, for random encounters, you know, you might think that, uh-oh, this is going to go badly. Uh, they're about to come across, you know, some intelligent, uh, what in this game, picks or whatever, uh, some crazy guys. And then you roll that 12. They yeah, come up to you with beer and everything. Hey, look at that. Come on th in. Th this is where it always comes in handy to have at least one person in your party have female privilege. <laughs> there you go. Someone who's hot. Because that'll that'll adjust the reaction if you put them in front. 
then they get the bonuses. On the other hand, you might come across to Hyperborean and roll a two. And now you got some weird, tall, alien-looking weirdo that's uh, trying to eat you. Yeah. You never know. But the good part about this is the reaction can save a combat. Or stop, prevent a combat. It can save you from a combat. It could also jump you into combat when you weren't expecting it. So, uh, buyer beware. Oh, uh, Mar, Mar Hawkman has a, has a good point. Uh, he would modify it based on race as well, since some races don't get along. If you have a race that this, this, uh, encounter hates, it will negatively impact your, their, your reaction role. That makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I'm only going with what the book says for now, but yeah, no, no, I, I mean, that, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could also do a reputation of party. You guys are jerk offs. People, when they see you <laughs> don't like you or vice versa. You're known as heroes. Let's give you a couple extra points on that reaction roll. Uh, now, combat typically entails melee, missiles, magic, and or movement. These activities are measured by the round, which is a 10-second increment. Melee. Strike blows with a handheld weapon, such as an axe, spear, or sword. It also includes monster attacks, such as claws, bites, horns, and stings. Weapon wielders must be within weapon reach, which is accounted for by weapon class. Now, we talked about that during equipment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Five feet, 10 feet, and then 15 to 20 feet or bigger. Whole There's only one, and it was yeah. the, the pike. That was the only one in the book. So I thought far. that was seven, or was it six? It was six. Okay. Missiles? Discharge missile launcher, such as bows, crossbows. You guys should know what missiles are by now. Mm -hmm. Short, medium, and long range. And it has the standard zero modifier, minus two modifier, minus five modifier tip. Now remember, you're that wizard. You have no clue how to use a longbow, but dang it, you've got to pick it up and try something. What is your modifier base for what we've talked about so far? Minus nine. Minus nine. Because you don't know how to use that thing. Chances are you're going to pull that bowstring back and cut off your ear. Or you're going to slice your finger with the um, fletching. No, that fletching. What's, what's, is that what it's called? That's what it's called. The, the, the feathers? feathers? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, again, we're talking about shooting at long range. If the wizard's picking it up and shooting at long range, why aren't you running? <laughs> magic spells fired by magicians and clerics such as turn undead now this includes spell like abilities yeah i should have actually said that like turn undead and movement Let's slow down a little bit here because there's gonna be a couple things i want to talk about later when it comes to move i think to advance run or charge during combat each combatant has a movement rate that is typically determined by the armor worn as we <laughs> harped on in the past in general, movement during combat can be exercised as follows. Do you remember what the movement rate for a human and plate male is? Uh, let's 40 minus 20. Yep, 20, right. Hey, Heath Dog's been paying attention. Yeah. Have you been paying attention? <laughs> Subscribe to pay attention. <laughs> now, cautious advance, you can move your full <laughs> you can move your full movement in feet per round, but no engagement. Okay. Double move. This is running. Double your movement in feet per round, no engagement. Half move and engage. You can do half your movement feet per round followed by engagement, which means you can attack. And charge attack. Run up at full movement uh, in feet per round and make a charge attack. Plus two damage, minus two AC. That seems actually... Well, yeah, but it, it should say in there charge attack is not applicable to missile or magic. Because yeah, well, I think it is. I, I'm charging, char someone charging me with a bow, 
I'm, I'm not really worried about it. You know, I like whatever. Yeah, but know? I don't think charge attack because that's a special attack form. I don't think that falls under magic at all. Oh, I don't okay. even think there's an option for that. So, all right. if using the optional last strike rule, a melee combatant may take a full move and attack once at the end of the round, or take a double move and charge attack plus two damage minus two AC at the end of round. Combatants who act at the end of round have sacrificed their position in the initiative order. Yeah, I, the the only time I would use that optional rule is if they are on horseback. Okay. Yeah, movement is one of those things where I think it's very argumentative in games. And this is why I understand why some games have, you know, we'll say, we'll put it out there. Path, games like Pathfinder or D&D 3, you know, have map grids to say you can move exactly this far. There are rules for splitting movement and things like that. I, I, I get it. I really do get it because, you know, both players will try things that don't make sense. And sometimes game masters will be too limiting. So you, you need to have rules in there. But ultimately, I guess my mindset is, a round is 10 seconds, right? Now, I'm not going to count one, two, three, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's something I think you can do in 10 seconds, fine. Move and attack, attack and move, attack, move, attack again. If you can do that in 10 seconds without me foreseeing that you're going to use this as some sort of uh, game-breaking, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, a, a crutch, yeah. then I don't care. I, 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 I don't like getting into the weeds to that point. But I understand why rules like that are, are in the game. Yeah, this, this whole thing is to stop people from being a comic book flash where you, you, you move, attack in the middle, move again, and you can move far enough to where no one can hit you so your minus armor class doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, this is stop people from breaking the game like that. That's all it's for. Other combat actions. Now, here's here are other things you can do. Find an ally's wounds, broach a keg. Wow. <laughs> Cut open a straw cot, because why? Uh, drag a heavy chest. But I do, these are great examples of things that will happen during an adventure, though. You know, mm -hmm. you're just going, why would I do that during combat? Well, you know what? The fighter has got your back. You're trying to find the goods. Where do you hide it? The thief is in there trying to cut open the straw cot. Now you know what you can do. And here's some other examples. All right, let's uh, scroll down. Attack roll. All right, are you ready for the attack roll? I hope you are. Hit, hit me. Come on. Ha! That's, that's good. I see what I did there. You see, I saw what you did there. Yeah. A d20 roll that determines whether an attack hits or misses. Okay. Almost every combatant has a chance to strike an opponent. Many attack rules are modified by attributes such as strength and dexterity, special abilities, sorcery, and other factors. Yep. If the de wow, the deferee? If the referee deems it appropriate, all natural 20s are automatically hit, and all natural ones automatically miss. Or the optional critical hits and misses rules may be used. Okay, now this also implies that under normal rules, d20 uh, natural 20s don't automatically hit and natural ones don't automatically miss that's a tough one for me because five percent doesn't sound like a lot but it can be a lot mm. to go from like well it's almost impossible but if you roll a one well almost impossible sounds like it should be a one on a 100 not a one on a 20 but you know yeah anyway that 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 dives too deep into the weeds in combat, many circumstances necessitate modification of the d20 attack roll or the defender's armor class. These modifications are often noted as a bonus or penalty to hit. 
obvious and off-standard modifiers are attribute-related, such as dexterity modifying a missile attack or strength modifying a melee attack. Other modifiers are class-related. These are all things we've gone to before. Let me go to the last sentence. Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, for, for instance, one cannot take a cumulative plus three to hit for a rear attack from, from higher grounds. Such an attack is at plus two to hit. Okay, hold on. Oh, in most cases, conditional, conditional modifiers, modifiers don't do, stack. Yeah, don't stack, yeah. Okay. I thought that was the last no, sentence you, for some reason you, I was wrong. You can't, uh, you know, what? Uh, you have high ground, you're from the back, uh, he can't see you, you know, you've tr you're trying to stack all Just these modifiers. Just take the best modifier. Plus 87 to hit. Like, no, man, yeah. no, you're not doing that. Just take the best modifier. It's kind yeah. of the same thing like with armor. If you want to wear 17 suits of armor, do it. You're only getting the armor class your best one. Mm -hmm. If you're still standing. Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely not moving, but whatever. This is, this is one of those rules that I really like. Because it, I don't want to say it stops arguments, but it stops kind of what you were talking about. How do I, where do I get that perfect position where I get all the modifiers added in? No, just go for the best one. Okay, that explains the modifiers there. I feel like I'm missing a page, but I'm not. There's something I wanted to cover. Rear attacks. Armor class. So, oh, by the way, there's a difference between attack roll modifiers. So what, what, when do you apply attack roll modifier and when do you apply uh, armor class modifier? It's pretty simple. It's something that I really like about this game. If it, if it affects the attacker directly, if it is part of the attacker's process of attacking, then you apply it to the attacker's roll. Now you might say, but long range, isn't that the target? No, that is what the attacker has to consider when firing. If the attacker's blind, if the attacker's flank, you see all of these are related direct, directly to the attacker. If it's related directly to the defender, apply it to armor class. I've had people argue with me across the ages, well, that's really applied, to, that's, that's just how I see it. And it makes my life a lot easier because I know now to apply it to the modify uh, to the attacker or to the armor class. Okay, combat matrix. This is the bread and butter of the game. Anybody who's played old school D and D is like, I know the combat matrix, but let's say you haven't. Let's say you've heard of Thacko and you've heard that Thacko's wacko and nobody wants to use it. You're a bad, bad person. I mean, you've and been given the bad combat bad news. matrix. Is Thacko? That it's the same thing. It's just Thacko put in to a nice chart. In a chart, yeah. The weird thing is, you'll have people say, I hate Thacko because it's math. Okay, I get it. And then you'll have other people say, I hate combat chart because I have to read a chart. Turn it into Thacko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really all it comes down to. Like, it's the same thing. It's math on a chart. So you pick your poison, right? So we've talked about this before, but let's talk about it again. Heathen dog. You have a fighting ability now of yep. five. Okay, I'm that's going to be your fighting ability. Yep. So it means you're what, sixth level? No, no, you're, if you're a fighter, you're fifth level, right? Yep. So you're a fifth level fighter, you got a fighting ability five. So we're going to use that for every attack going forward. Okay. But you since I'm also a fifth level fighter, I also have a weapon mastery. Okay. So I'm plus one I'll get, to hit. Sure, okay. plus one to hit. But, but right now we'll go with fighting ability five. All right. So no, just just to start. I know. Do, I do know. you have a do you have a D twenty next to you, or with you? Perfect. All right. So you are going to let's make it simple. You are going to attack a creature also with an armor class of five. Sure. So what does that mean? You have to roll without adding in your what mastery and so forth. He's fighting ability five okay. versus. Okay. Uh, I take the five on the left, mm -hmm. and I take the five on the top. Oops. Can I go up 
I go uh, right and down until they meet in the middle. And oh, look at that. I got to roll a 10. Exactly. It's that simple. Now, after he dispatches that not. creature, you did not hit him. <laughs> well, after he fails to dispatch that creature, <laughs> now the bigger boss comes in and he oh. decides, you know what? This little guy, somebody else is going to have to handle him because I apparently can't. Now, now we're going to add in. Now Heathen Dog has a weapon mastery, which is plus one to hit. That doesn't technically change his fighting ability, but that's up to you. You can say it does because it's easier to follow the chart, or you can just modify your role. The intent is to modify the role, so let's go with that. Okay. So Heathen Dog still has a fighting ability of five, sure. and now he's fighting something with an armor class of zero. Oh, no. But, I'm screwed. So roll your die. Okay. Roll your die until you get a fifteen or a fourteen oh, okay. or higher. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. What did you roll? Nineteen. Perfect. You rolled a nineteen, but what is the actual result? Uh, twenty. Twenty, because he had the plus one due to his mastery. Yep. Now, strength could add another plus one or two, and so forth. The point is, he needed a fifteen or higher. He rolled a nineteen. He then added his modifiers on top of that. Boom. Now you're like, well, what about? armor class penalties well you know what he's attacking that ogre from behind i know i keep using D terms i apologize it's what i know more i forget uh blindside oh no actually a blindside attack is a bonus to you i, I want to do one that's defenseless defenders fleeing there you go defenders trying to get away so it's an ac modifier of minus two now this is where things get weird in the game at least to me and somebody can correct me if i'm wrong a minus two means a penalty of two, not actually a subtraction of two. Right. If I am incorrect on that, if somebody in chat knows, please post it into chat now so that I'm not putting bad information out there. But well, my understanding... Hang on. Let, try this on for size. Let's look at okay. the other ones. No, no. Let's, let's, let's do that one. Uh, he's fleeing. So yeah. he's, at, he's at minus two to his armor class. So mm -hmm. go back to the chart. Instead of instead of modifying the armor class on his chart, treat it just like you did for for my bonus to hit. A affect the 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 uh, the die roll that that I that I need to do. So, for example, he's got armor class zero. I needed a fifteen. I, oh, I see you're saying apply it to the target number, not to exactly. the chart. Got it? Yeah, apply I know that the target number, not his that makes armor sense. class. You win. And so you can keep the armor class. You can keep the, yep. the attack, the, the attack, whatever it's called, my, my five. Mm -hmm. And uh, it will, yep. it will, I will get a plus one and he will get a minus two. So I got a 20 and I only needed a 13. Yep. 100% you win. I wasn't comparing it to the target number, which I should have. So yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. So there you go. The minus two then becomes, so using that same attack where he needed the, the 15, right? Well, now that uh, he's uh, he's got his mastery, so that's plus one to the roll. So now I only, I only need a fourteen. So that would that he needed a fourteen. See, this is this is the part that I don't like about it. I, you're, what you're saying is right, but I like having one number instead of all these different numbers. So so let let's let's backtrack and do this simply. Okay. You need a fifteen or more. That's just what it is. You need a fifteen sure. or more because. The monster is fleeing. You need, and it's a minus two to the monster's armor class, right? This is effective yep. armor class. Yep. You need a 13 or more. Sure. Now roll your die. 16. Okay. I get a plus one for my mastery. 
Yep. That makes so my seven, roll a 17. 17, right. So that's how that would be applied. I don't like that process personally, but that's how it's written in the book, and it does make sense. It does. Now, the, the cool thing about this is that you can change your target number with modifiers, or you can change your armor class or what what's the fighter what's the attack the fighting ability? fighting ability or you can change your fighting ability with, with modifiers whichever way your table likes it yeah it'll still work absolutely yep yes but my preference would be again this goes back to the technical writer me either have everything affect only this everything should be a modifier just to the target number or affect this and this separately so you're just going on different numbers on the chart right yeah so i i understand both ways if yep. you're if uh if if penalties and drawbacks to armor class affect your your uh, your armor class uh directly instead of the target number you have to make all of your bonuses or minuses to attack affect your fighting ability directly and then after that's done all you got to do is use your fingers meet in the middle that's your final number or you can take the originals of armor class and fighting ability find your number with your fingers and then put modifiers on that to get your true target number. Whichever way works for you, yep. it will not break the game. Right. The game will still work. And don't don't let us make <laughs> the way we're talking about it, make it seem hard. It is not. Just pick a method. The book is the book even says how to use it down here. Uh no. again, crafty I think is right. Crafty is right. The the book says to do it this way. But the cool thing about it is if you it it's just thinking about it differently. It's functionally yeah. the same. Yeah, I, just I, I'll just tell you, Crafty, it. I don't like that. Personally, I don't like that. But that's just a, a preference for me. No, I, I I like the target number affecting the target number myself. I like that better. I, I get it, except for I want to follow the chart. For me, my it. brain my brain is saying, look at the chart. Why well, have the chart I, if, if everything's going to change? I understand where you're coming from. And since both work, yeah. uh, I'm, not, I'm not bitching. Yeah, yeah no, and to be clear, neither am I. Uh, yeah. and, and I just don't want people who are watching out there to think that, oh my God, this became so hard. Not at all. So we'll do one more. We'll do one more. Okay. We've leveled Heathen Dog up now. Woohoo. He's pretty badass. Outstanding. He's going to be level 10. What? Oh so what does that do God. with your fighting? What does that do with your mastery? Well, I get to attack twice per round. Okay. But what's but the bonus? We don't, have, we don't have to worry about that. But uh, it's still only plus one. I still have the just the mastery. Of the Is it plus just plus one? one? Okay. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's just, just the extra tax. Yeah. Still okay. just plus one. So, and we're not going to look at any character class bonuses, but you're also pretty strong now. We're going to give you that 18 strength, a plus three. Woohoo! So, and what are we going to do with the creature? We're going to go to the creature and we're going to say the creature is, ooh, uh, we're going to say the creature's on higher ground. Oh, man. So, okay. here we go. Heathen dog, and I'm gonna roll a d20 for the for the armor class. Well, that's gonna be an easy hit. <laughs> okay, armor class six. All right. So, how do we figure this out? Heathen dog is tenth level, or I'm sorry, fighting ability of ten. Use I, the words right. Fighting ability of ten. Un unless you're using the optional rule of one is a critical failure, I already hit him. Okay, that's that's fine, but but that's. Talk let's, about let's, it for, for the people okay. out there. <laughs> Finding ability of 10. And then he has mastery. Oh, oh, sorry. No. So Crafty says that adds to the target number. That wouldn't add to the target number. Because I wouldn't add plus one to your target number. That adds to the die roll. 
Because what adding plus one to your target number makes the target harder to hit. Well, no, uh, it it's the whole thing of bonus or minus. Is it a is it a uh, is it good or bad? You, you and, and I are on the same way. page. I'm just saying. I was going to yeah. try to use the crafty method up there. Where he says plus or minus applies to the target number, not to the die roll. No, it has to apply to the die roll. Otherwise, you, otherwise having mastery makes attacks harder. <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. So, uh, so what? What we where we start? We said armor class six, right? But he's on higher, so target number is four. Yep. The creature is on higher ground. That makes his target number a five. We already looked at it, it was a yep. plus one. Yep. So he's on higher ground, so that makes it a five. Yep. So that means you need to roll a five or higher. Yep. What is your natural roll? Eleven. Okay, he rolled an eleven. That's his natural roll. But now add in your strength and your mastery. Fifteen. Does that fifteen beat a four? Yes. You win. But let's say I rolled a one. Okay. And we're not using any optional rules or anything. No, we're not using the optional. One is always a failure. So I rolled a one mm -hmm. plus four is five. So it's mastery hit. plus his strength. He still hit. Even with the target number now being a five. Because of the thing being on. He equaled it. Yeah. So there you go. And if we made that clear as mud, my apologies. That's... <laughs> worked out better in my head so uh anyway uh ultimately it's it's not hard and your referee's gonna know this or will have it yeah. off the top of his head that's one of the reasons why heathen dog and i see this a little bit differently because i'm used to doing this stuff off the top of my head not with the chart i just want the chart to be easy to to understand so if you don't ask questions and comment but we got to move on so combat steps first thing you do is determine surprise and you only do that for the first round i actually like to call this round zero First thing you do is determine surprise. Then you declare your actions. What? I have to declare? Then roll initiative? Yes, it's an old school game. That's what you do. Remember, there's a game aspect to this. Then you resolve them, and then you check morale. Well, the referee checks morale. That's not for player characters. You have your own morale. So yeah, only and, that, and that's referee discretion. He may not check for morale every at the end of every round. That's fine. Usually only when a significant event happens or, or a, a, a big shift in the tide of battle then a morale check will probably be called for. Surprise occurs per referee discretion. Uh-oh. Per referee discretion. When two or more parties meet abruptly and one or more is caught off guard. A D6 is rolled. One or two indicates surprise. Now you say, that's not referee discretion. Well, he'll determine if a surprise roll is even needed. That's what it comes right. down to. Of course, darkness or obstructions will limit encounter distance accordingly as judged best by the game referee. That means don't be tied to these numbers. Yes, dungeon numbers are different than outdoor number. Again, it's another trope of old school gaming. It makes sense. Dungeons are dark and dingy and you're moving slowly through them. We talked about that. Outdoors, even in the jungle and the forest, you tend... Now, you could say that a jungle is considered indoors. It's so packed. That's up to the referee. Don't mm -hmm. argue with them. Just go with it. But usually outdoors, you have a little bit more room to see. Oh, I almost forgot Patty's brother. Can you ask me this? No, no, I, I got it started. Don't worry. No, the, the, it's on Rumble. Oh, okay, then never mind. Uh, okay. Um, this is, all right. A surprise party can take no actions against a non-surprise party during round one. Remember, round one, that's the only time surprise matters. A surprised party may be considered prone if caught completely unaware. Sleeping, eating, reading. 
And what was it? What was a prone target? Plus two, plus four to hit, something like that, or a minus to the AC. Sorry. So parties, uh, I don't care. Guys, again, you can read it clo more closely. Understand that surprise comes first. Now, surprise is only done once. Once surprise is done, you're never going back to that part, that uh, number step number one again. From now on, you're only doing steps two through five. Look, look at how easy it is. Four steps. You can remember that. And to be fair, step five is kind of hit and miss, right? Yeah. And I don't mean that in combat. Next, step two, attack declaration. Only one paragraph before initiative is determined. Each player must state his or her character's intent. Alternatively, the caller announces each of the character's actions. If a spell is to be cast, the players must name the specific spell. Okay. So you can't just say, I'm casting. You have to say what you are casting. I didn't realize that that needed a sentence, but you know what? Considering gamers... It probably okay. does. Yeah. It probably does. Meantime, the impartial... Look at that. I love that. The impartial referee silently decides the actions of the opposition. The now, word the, I, <laughs> the reason that was in there is to placate players, not so much game masters, because game masters can just lie and say he's impartial and not. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's to tell the players, listen, yes, you have to decide what you're going to do, and then the game master is going to decide what he's going to do. D does that seem fair? It doesn't seem fair, but it doesn't matter, because if the game master just says he decided what the monsters was, were going to do beforehand, he could just be lying, and you'd <laughs> never know. See, so, the, the word, oh, go on. why fight about it? The term I use is fair and reasonable. That's yeah. a, a fair and reasonable uh, GM. Now, initiative. So you've declared your action. Told the referee what spell you're going to cast. Initiative orders determined with opposed D6 rolls. The side with the highest score acts first. Side. Ties may be resolved in order of dexterity, dexterity scores. Wow. Highest to lowest. Or considered simultaneous action. I like to do simultaneous action because I believe that combat is a scrum. And it is possible to go at the same time to each other. Uh, using dexterity to break initial ties can create interesting results with some party members possibly acting before the monsters and some after. If the initiative through uh, throw results a tie, dexterity scores are the same, then truly the action is simultaneous. All right. King Dog rolled a three. I rolled a three. His dexterity is 15. Mine's a 15. Guess we're going together. We're stabbing each other in the face at the same time. Yay. In some cases, the referee may need to assign enemy dexterity scores or dice for them using 3d6, 46 drop, whatever. I don't care. Delay action, holding action, whatever you want to call it. Overwatch. Oops, I should have been zoomed in on this. My bad. Winning initiative does not necessarily mean a combatant must act straight away. One may hold an action. In effect, waiting to see what the other side does or perhaps waiting for a specific circumstance. For example, if a Minotaur is charging to engage the party, an archer may delay shooting till the monster enters short range. Sure. That is actually something I struggle with allowing. Well, hang on. He's not changing his action. He's he's got he's he's just has the bow back ready. He's mm -hmm. doing the exact same thing he said he was gonna do. Mm -hmm. He's just doing it later. This gets back into the P uh, for me, the idea that players know exact ranges. Well, uh, an, an archer trained in his in his bow is going to have a really good estimate of his ranges mm. he's he's fired that thing for years at targets you know if i were to go if i were to say right now shoot 200 feet i don't believe that no most no, archers no. Would hit you're me. gonna get within 10 20 feet of that 200 foot mark and the since uh since range is close you know close medium and long 
Yeah, you my can, my, you my can issue isn't like those three distances. My, my issue isn't like, hey, when it's when it gets into close range, I'm I'm gonna shoot. It, it, that isn't the problem. The problem is I've dealt with players, so it'd be like as soon as it hits exactly sixty feet, I'm shooting. Okay, that doesn't it doesn't say that here. I that understand. Different that's argument. How, no, it's not because that's how players run it. Okay, that but but that argument does doesn't apply to this circumstance. It absolutely does. You have to no, look at how you have to look at how players are going to interpret the rules. Yeah. So if, it, if it's charging game, the archer may delay shooting till the monster enters short range. If you yep. treat that as like, well, no, I wanted to shoot right when it's at 60 feet, so it couldn't get close to us. I've That's heard that argument for many years. That's not what it says. It says short range. Okay, he's in short range. I wanted 60 feet. You wanted short range. That's what you get. Short range. Yeah. I, that's how that's honestly how i respond to it what yeah. i'm saying is the players cry about that that's why i well, don't let like... them cry you know c- gather their tears in little flasks and drink them in front of them later that's fine <laughs> fair enough when a player dithers too long and the referee requires immediate reactions the referee is at liberty to impose a delay action on part of the player younger experienced players may be pardoned of course sure. again it's, it's your thing yeah if if you're if you're like Oh, I don't know. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I hold match? Oh, sorry. Delay a game. Penalty. Boom. You delayed your action till last initiative. Sorry, buddy. Combat is for action, yeah. not not for not for screwing around. In our Pathfinder Two game, GM's Alcove does the best he can when it comes to that. Uh, in our game, I've I've heard him say a few times, "Okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right, I think we're gonna move on to the next." <laughs> Um, optionally per referee description, when two weapon wielding melee combatants first clash, the one with the longer reach weapon strikes first. Regardless of initiative results, this has been incorporated into a lot of games of late. Hmm. So if you're coming at me with a dagger and I've got a two handed sword, I get to go first, only in the first round. And there are a lot of games that have been incorporating that rule. Here's my take I get it. And if you want to use it, absolutely go for it. I see no harm in using it. I think that leads into the simulation too much. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's overcomplicating things that don't need to happen. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't use it. Back in the 90s, I would have loved that rule. This would have been my favorite rule. Yes, I'm finally some realism in the game. But my me, now, you know, let's just roll initiative and go forward. Anyway. And it does talk about if initiative is too you know, different. We're not going to do the last try. Action resolution. Combat includes a broad selection of combat actions, which are resolved by the use of a combat sequence. If you remember in second edition, it actually laid it out into these phases. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't lay it out as dramatically. They're still there, though. This is one of my concerns, is that the phases didn't exist anymore. Uh, typically, each round of combat comprises the following basic actions in order. Melee, missiles, magic movement okay so let's see how that actually works applied yeah uh there should be a five yeah there's a five good for uh, each side takes turns according to initiative results we already determined that sure. in uh internal order of a side is shun and the player shun shun <laughs> in the low sequence for example if the pcs win initiative the pcs will act in the order of melee first Missile second, magic third, movement fourth. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I understand this combat sequence thing now. It's because each side has an initiative, not each individual player. Yes. yes. Oh, so, you didn't catch that? 
No, 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 no. I, I, I caught it. I just didn't okay. know the significance until I saw this. Okay. Now I know the significance. Now it's it's, it's kind of like a, a Pedmos order of operations doing math. It's the same thing for combat. Melee is intrinsically faster than a missile weapon as long as, as you're within close range to use a missile weapon or to, <laughs> to use a melee weapon. But missile weapon is intrinsically faster than a magic attack because there's hand movement chanting and stuff like that in a magic attack. It's slower than a missile. But m- taking your movement is intrinsically slower than a normal magic. Okay, I get it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, 100%. I'm on board. So there's a caveat to everything that you said there, and that's from a stationary position. So if you're standing, if we're already fighting, cling, 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 absolutely right. Yeah. If you're shooting and you're not moving, you're just like, I'm waiting. Okay, you're right. Magic, yada, yada. Okay. Movement. You can move, standard rate or double rate, which is a run, right? You can move and melee, move half an attack. That would happen. If you have to move to get to the attack, it happens in the fourth, not phase. (laughs) Move and missile. You can move half and fire and move and magic. So if you're not moving first, you do it right. You do it one, two, three Mm -hmm. here. If you are moving first, then the movement happens. Then you get your melee, which right. followed by missile, followed by magic, and that that makes perfect sense because because your your initial action is the slowest, so it's going to have priority. It's going to take the most time, so it's going to affect you first. And then other actions, if you're binding of allies' wounds and so forth, yeah, and that's always be, last because that always takes the most time. Yeah, right, right. I get it. It's not just a sword swing. Okay, so there we go. Um, I don't care about the stationary position multiple. We've kind of described that. If you want to get more into that, just buy the book and read it. Oh, changing action requires referee approval. Plus two steps. I mean, <laughs> um, morale. Morale measures the confidence, discipline, and courage of monsters. So, what does that mean? Every monster has a morale rating. When things happen, that monster might flee. Why do we have to have morale? Because People play these games like they're freaking computer games. Gotta kill everything! It's gotta stay! My entire team died! I'm the last one, but I'm gonna stay in there! That's no, just... Don't, don't be dumb. That's and, not the way it works. <laughs> and uh, if, if, if it looks like there's an even fight, you can turn the tide immediately. Attack the leader first. Everyone attack the leader. You chop off the leader's head, put a couple arrows in his eyes, everyone else is gonna go, uh, should we still be here? And maybe they'll decide to be somewhere else. And then you win. Yep. Now, a, a good uh, referee uh, or, uh, will set up a scenario where that's not always as easy as one may think. Sure, yes. But, you know, you, you, you put an arrow in the leader's eye and then laugh at him. All of his minions are going to go, uh... Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the American versus the British and the Revolutionary War kind of thing, right? <laughs> well, shoot the officers. Now, when do you roll morale? Ultimately, it's up to the referee. But right, these are examples. Yes. Suggestions include the leader is killed, as Heathen Dog just said. 50% of the fourth is defeated. Again, you don't have to look and say, is it exactly 50? If a big mass casualty just happened, or, or if people are dying all around you, the enemy might just be like, you know what? I'm out. Fireball happened. Took out, took out Joe. 
and and all of your right flank with it. Sure, you've got the center and left flank. It's only a third of your forces, but everyone who saw that went, uh, and then roll. Terrible sorcery is released. And the point is it frightens animals, primitive, superstitious humans, or humanoids. By the way, you might enrage the barbarian, but, you know, just saying. <laughs> Outnumbered footmen face a mounted charge. Cavalry is a thing, and it is scary. Un unless you have a pike. Then, then I'm not gonna, scary. Then I won't have them roll. If, if the footmen, you know, if, if the guys on the ground have pikes, then they're not gonna they're not gonna break because of a charge. I stress the word guys, not a guy. <laughs> but yes. Uh enemies hold enemy holds a fortified nigh impenetrable position. You finally realize, you know what? We're not gonna win this. Yeah. Well, if uh if uh let's see, uh if if the Orakai didn't have a a, a huge bomb, they would have looked at Helms Deep and went. Nah. <laughs> and they went home. Like, no. And then, uh, uh, sorry, enemy comprises uncontested flyers. Yep. It's a morale. That's a high ground thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Enemies, oh, uncontested. That means there's no archers or yeah, anything. There's shooting. There's okay. No way yeah. To yeah. Stop them. Yeah. They're just going to swoop down and pick you up and drop you from a high place and kill you. Yeah. All day okay. long. And there's nothing you can do. Enemy seems impervious to harm. That would suck. We can't hurt it. Why are we still here? Yeah. I shot it in the eye and the arrow bounced off. I left the oven on. Significant hit point loss. Yeah. I mean, a, a creature, especially a larger or a more menacing creature, when it gets down in hit points, it's probably going to be like, you know what? It might be time to run. I want to live. That's the thing is most creatures want to live. Most creatures don't fight to the death for death's sake. They're fighting to the death. It's really to protect something. Now yeah. you can argue undead and, and some other mindless That's creatures fine. that, yeah, whatever but. controlled creatures of some kind won't run. I get it. That's fine. And if the result is equal to or less than the subjects morale, was oh, it uh, ML? So morale. Oh, I guess that is just the, okay. I was going to say morale level, but no, uh, less than subject morale. It continues to fight. If the result is greater than subject morale, it attempts to retreat or surrender. Whichever has the best survival odds that's combat I mean. options we are not going to read through these unless heathen dogs like ooh, i gotta no. see that we're just going to read them one. off choose one okay charge attack that's your choice okay fighting no 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 fighting withdraw actually i have my choice and i'm going to come back oh. to it fighting withdraw that's going to be my choice by the way oh uh flask curling or oil burning and it's got the different types mounted charge okay yeah mounted combat mounted sure. charge Again, we're not going to go into that. We're just letting you know that there are rules for it here. Unarmed combat, pummel. What's this one? Oh, grapple. It's like apple. What's apple? <laughs> we should probably look at grappling rules also because that's, that's, no, that's one thing that's a joke in D&D. It's never had good grappling rules. Let's see if this one does. Overbear. And was that it? I thought there's more. Nope, that was, okay, that's advanced combat. Wrestle. So we're, we're going to look at, uh, the fighting with why am i looking at this one because this one has caused a lot of uh, arguments at tables in old days like should i be able to get away is it a free attack yada yada nowadays you got that whole attack of opportunity nonsense uh, so what what how do you get out of a fight a melee combatant can backpedal at half movement and continue to fight and defend or backpedal at full movement and simply defend enemies may pursue withdrawal but movement rates should be compared so, sure. here are a couple examples. A huntsman is engaged with a bog mummy. The huntsman is heavily wounded and decides to backpedal. The bog mummy wins initiative and so attacks first, swinging its fist. 
The huntsman deflects the blow with his shield. He then begins to withdraw whilst thrusting his spear at the pursuing bog mummy. He hits the undead creature and manages to backpedal 20 feet, half of his movement. So obviously he's wearing light armor or no armor, right? Sure. Meantime, the bog mummy manages, manages to pursue only 10 feet, half of its move. So on the, the bog mummy is using fists. We already know that. So he is now outside of the range of the fist. So he can't attack unless he moves first and then attacks. But after a couple of rounds, the the uh, the huntsman is going to be completely out of range because he just outmoves him. Now, uh, the, our poor cleric here, a cleric is engaged with an axe wheeling minotaur. Probably That's not a position that a, that a holy no. person wants to be in. Yeah, you don't want to, you, you, you don't want to see your, your god that quickly. <laughs> right, the cleric, well, uh, the cleric decides to make a full withdrawal. The cleric's side has one initiative, so the cleric, wearing plate mail, whoops, uh -oh. withdraws her full 20 move. Again, why is it 20 move? Because she's wearing plate mail. Sure. But the minotaur pursues and attacks because the beast needs only move half, because its full move is 40. The cleric remains subject to attack. Remember, it can move half and attack. Remember those phases that were not yep. phases that we talked about? Yep. The cleric remains subject to attack, but perhaps she has drawn the monster into a trap. Where her I, thief I would ally. hope because if not, there is no benefit to doing this. Yeah. Zero. Zero benefit of, of a full withdrawal in this well, scenario. I can see a point, a prolonged point, trying to get to those ovens that you were talking about that were on. Because sooner or later, you're hopefully going to have a door or something that you can weed through. It's like, in the meantime, ow, ow, stop hitting me, stop hitting me, stop hitting me as you're backing up. But other than that, no, I agree. I agree. In, in like an open field, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I would I would much rather just turn and run, take take the hit in the back, the one hit, and get well, away. I'm glad you said that. If an attempt is made to run away, double movement from engagement, the combatant will suffer a minus two AC penalty, mm -hmm. and any adjacent any adjacent enemies gain a free and immediate attack. Yep. If chase is given, movement rates should be compared. This uh, you know, again, if you run combat as a scrum like I tend to do, there's probably gonna be two or three four attacks on you as you try to run away yeah but no no one is paying that much attention they have their own combatant right i mean I, I i i would say the only the only people who get that free attack on you are people who were concentrating you on the combat yeah to begin yeah. with no no i don't do the whole thing like my back's to you but you you came next to me so i turn around and go because <laughs> that yeah, would that open me up to attack you no I, yeah. i'm with you on that yeah. I know some people make the argument, well, it's a free attack. I'm still paying attention. I just go like that and I come back up. Uh, no. no, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, uh, I, I'm with you on that. So anywho, I think that's it for here. Yeah, that's flash curling. And you said, uh, oh, we said uh, grappling also. No, oh, you said grappling. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, an attempt to wrestle an opponent. Okay. D20 attack rules made with strength attack modifier. If sure. the grappler is clad in heavy armor, minus four to hit penalty applies. Okay. It's not so... easy to wrestle in armor. Right. Is, yeah, okay, copy that. I thought you had more I was going to drink. <laughs> no, no, that's that makes sense. Upon a successful attack roll, the target is allowed an avoidance saving throw to escape the hold. If saving throw fails by five or more, the grappler can choke the target for a D2 minus one hit point damage per round. Plus, oh, plus strength damage. Oh, nice. Yeah. A grapp uh, grappled victim is considered hindered and suffers minus two AC penalty per the chart above. A grappled victim can break free with successful test of strength or an extraordinary feat of strength versus an 18 strength assailant. So a lot of benefits to having that 18 strength. Yeah, the 18 strength is no joke. Um, no. 
there there is a reason i i would rather fight say you know uh a a uh computer engineer than arnold schwarzenegger there's a reason you know eh. right one of the things i really like about how he puts this book together is instead of saying a grappled victim is considered hindered and stopping put some modifier in here one stop shop for the yep. other game designers learn that lesson and a grappled victim may attempt to use a, a weapon class zero to two so like a dagger uh what cestus sap something like that at a minus two to hit Get so, off of me. So, yeah, get, right. Get off of me. So, um, I think they're nice and simple. Yeah. No dumb charts to roll on to see if you're trying to grapple somebody, but haymaker them instead or something. Whatever. I forget what the what those roles were. Uh, still has the old school feel of not really telling you what's up, but that's what a referee's job is. Part of the referee's job is to detail what's happening. As far as game mechanics go, if you just care about the mechanics, it's all right here. If you care about the detail behind those mechanics, well. That's going to be up to you. Use your imagination. Advanced combat. Again, we are going to uh, skip through most of these unless uh, I don't one. think th I don't think there was anything in here I wanted Wait, to see. I'll but choose I one. OK, that's fine. Let me uh, see. So arrow setting, conservative fighting, disarm, dodge, double arrow shot, double feint, firing march, indirect fire, offhand weapon, parry, parry and block, ready shooter, reckless fighting recumbent fire running dodge saddle casting saddle fire shield bash shield bind shield cover for ally shield splitter that that makes sense shield wall that's very very uh roman spartan uh mm -hmm. spear charge spear setting throw an attack to it okay go up and we're gonna choose there is one i wanted to cover now that i see it but well that's too bad i get to choose now well i'm gonna choose one anyway no! it's my, my segment <laughs> shut up uh, I'm going to try the offhand weapon parry. I want to know what okay. that is. Okay. Offhand weapon parry. Oh, there it is right there. The combatant wields an offhand weapon. SB weapon class one. A dagger or some such. Yeah. Yeah. To, parry a to parry melee weapon attacks, but not miss. <laughs> it's a dagger, you know. Come on. You're, you're I know, not... but people want that heroic fantasy if he's well, got to put that in okay. here. <laughs> All right. This, this goes back to like the thing I was saying about ranges. Characters, you know, you know how players are, man. They're going to try everything. Uh, this technique provides a plus one AC bonus. Sure. The combatant can continue to attack with the primary weapon as normal and without penalty, but the offhand weapon, except for the tomfa and hand trident, cannot be used to attack in the same round it is used to parry. For two-weapon fighting. I get well, it. Now, to it. In, in most cases, a shield will be more beneficial, but... If you already have two weapon fighting and you want to fight a little defensively, the offhand weapon parry is for you. There we go. Where is it? Shield cover for ally. Reason why I'm looking at this is because this is one of the things I'm trying to do in the Pathfinder 2 game. It's He's following the rules. I am not blaming the game master for this, but I don't like the rules in Pathfinder 2 for this. So let's see what this game does. A combat bearing a shield can defend an adjacent missile shooting or spell casting ally from return fire. Well, you should be able to protect anybody, but mm -hmm. okay, whatever. The defender thus provides his or her shield's AC bonus as a defense adjustment. If applicable, the ally, of course. Sorry. Uh, it loses these. The shield bearer loses uh, the bonus. Yeah, yeah the there we go. Yes. Uh, loses the bonus, but then that makes sense. So I'm protected. My shield's over here. However, I'm doing that. I'm not protecting me. I'm protecting heathen dog. Mm -hmm. 
Shield cover for ally can be used in conjunction with a cautious half move fighting withdrawal. Assuming the shield bearer and ally are withdrawing together. Right. That makes okay, sense. Okay, that, that doesn't really give a lot, but I mean, but it says enough. It's my shield bonus is what's added to it. Right. Okay, that's all right. Makes sense. Uh, where are we next? Critical hits and misses. A critical hit on a natural 20 roll that results in bonus damage. Do you remember what the bonus damage is? Not at the moment, no. Okay. So a fighter. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was reading this wrong. Uh oh, when I looked at this last night, I read it wrong. I'm going to have to go through this again. Uh, critical hits can eliminate attrition associated around around combat. Any creature that can be hit and damaged by physical blow is subject to a critical hit. By the way, you don't have to... I, I, this isn't D&D. I know. I'm sorry. I'm using a lot of D&D monsters. It's what I know. You don't get to backstab amoebas or, or jellies. Or, uh, what were they called? Uh, green slimes. Whatever. Yeah, they don't have backs. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's it there. Da -da -da. To qualify for a critical hit, the combatant must first score a natural 20 attack roll. Once the criterion has been established, a d6 is rolled. Yeah, this is different than what I thought I read yesterday, so my bad. So a fighter, on a, d on a roll of 1, adds plus 2 damage. On a roll of 6, adds times 3 damage. This is actually what I was going to talk about. Mm -hmm. The multiplier is to the die roll. Not the result. But here, because see. the the result has strength bonuses, weapon mastery yeah. bonuses, stuff like that. It's just the die roll, and then yeah. you add these in later. Yes, bonus I damage applied after all damage dice are rolled. For example, sixteen strength critical plus one morning star delivers a critical hit to an eight man for times two damage. The morning star now inflicts a base two d eight damage because it was a, was one d eight right. Yeah. Followed by after the two d eight rolled plus one for the magical bonus, not plus two. You're not doubling this, just plus no. one. And plus yep. one for the cleric strength bonus. Sure. Makes sense. Okay. All right. So uh, you can multiply already multiplied damage. Yeah. Critical miss. Let's see. It's got critical misses on here. We're not gonna, that yeah, would be so embarrassing. We're not going to dive into that. We're going to go into saving throws next, but I just want to show you that it's here. Trip, fall, stumble. Those are things that can happen to you. Um, and saving throws. We're going to talk about saving throws here in just a moment. So this is monster saving throws right here. One chart. There you go. You got it. Sure. So let's zoom out because I want to read that first paragraph because I think it tells the most. Saving throw represents one's chance to avoid, resist, or reduce harmful effects. Attributes, class, divine favor, experience, fate, luck, and sorcery all can affect saving throw attempts. The base saving throw is the same for each character class and reaches peak potential at 11th level. Monsters peak at 17 hit die. Except for some humans... A humanoids monsters do not qualify for class and attribute modifiers so this is it right here how do you roll you roll a d20 and what matters is death transformation dice i say device avoidance sorcery so what is death this is death magic obviously power would kill or it's equivalent in this game paralysis poison because poisons are usually trying to kill you sure and radiation Wait a minute, radiation, it has uranium in the game? Yes, it does. Yeah. Remember, it's weird yeah, science. Remember, there's there's also ray guns. So, yeah. you know, roll that into your noggin. It's there. Transfer uh, transformation, petrification, and polymorph. Sure. Petrifaction? Petrifaction. Is that a word? Petrifaction. Yeah, that's neat. I've never I I hope that's a word, not a typo, because that's pretty darn cool. Okay. I think it is a word. Okay. I I this book has taught me, this book has increased my vocabulary, so I will believe you. Um, 
device magical rings rod staffs wands avoidance what's that it is uh, awesome that's good to know. I've learned a word. Petrifaction. I'm going to use that today. Uh, avoidance. Breath weapons. Ray guns. Look at it right there. Mm-hmm. Some spells, some traps. Sure. This if is you're like able you're... to jump out of the way, it's an avoidance saving throw. Violence solves everything. Says, I will admit that this is a very well written, organized, and playable version of d and I agree. I agree. Th- I, I don't have any experience running it more than a couple of one-shots, and even then, uh, if you knew, probably say I wasn't running the game, but whatever. Uh, I like the rule system in this game and the rules presentation more than anything else in this genre of play. I know a lot of people like OSE. I get it. I understand why you do, but I like this one. So, Sorcery. Spell scrolls. Now, what's different between all this? Well, it just says some spells. Some spells you get to dodge. Some spells you just have to suck it up, buttercup, and hope that you can resist. Yep. Attribute modifiers. Talks about how the attribute modifiers fit in. So how do you roll a saving throw? Well, I go to cast a spell at Heathen Dog, and I'm just going to make up a spell here. Fireball, because nobody's ever heard of that spell before. Nah, nah. And I don't know if it's avoidance or spell, but we're going to, or sorcery. We're going to say it's sorcery for the ease of play. He will roll, I throw that spell at him, and he's got a choice. He can take it. He can take it like a champ, just stand there. I got me some fire. Or he can say, that's going to be bad for my health. I don't want to be hit by that. And when he yep. says that's going to be bad for my health, I say roll a saving throw. And if he makes a save, he takes half damage. Now, do we have a chart for that? Well, it's on your character. Oh, it's on your character sheet? Yeah. There might be one here. Oh, that's for items. It's, it's in the character classes. Oh. Uh, it should be reprinted there as well, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, let me go up. Nope, that's just for monsters. Oh, is this for everybody? I wonder if this is for everybody. No. Because it's... No, because it said character classes reaches peak potential at 11th level. But it says monsters level right there. 17. This one goes to 17. Yeah, but it has level right there, and monsters don't have levels. So we don't advance beyond 11? Okay, mm-hmm. so my saving throw is 11. Well, because 11 and 12, because the game doesn't go past level 12, and 11 and 12 oh, are the okay, same. Okay, okay, fair enough. Okay, then it's for everybody. Got it. 11. That, uh, that's cra- crafty, save. that's actually where I've used it. <laughs> I've, used, I've used that scenario for Earth Dawn, Forbidden Lands, and for Hyperborea. It's how I playtested Hyperborea. So thank you for saying that. Uh, so yeah, so your saving throw would be an 11 or better uh, okay. to, to avoid my... Obviously, the lower this number is, the easier it is for you to save because you want to equal or get higher. Now, if he was a caster, let's say he's not a strong fighter. He's a caster. Well, casters usually get a plus two bonus to spells. That makes it a nine or better. Well, it makes it 11 or better, but you add plus two to the die roll. So, so effectively, he has to roll a nine or better. So that's it. It's that simple. Okay. Uh, and again, if it's clear as mud to you guys, my apologies. I see it in my head correctly. <laughs> Just damage and death. So let's see how you heal. Damage to portion. Nope, wasn't there. Uh, damage reduction mitigates. I, we kind of talked about with armor. If Heathen Dog does five points of damage to me and I have two points of damage reduction, that five gets dropped down to three. Easy enough. Yeah. Falling damage. It's a D6 for every 10 feet. That's normal in a lot of games. Yeah. Healing. The natural restoration of hit points. If a wounded character takes proper rest, minimum of six to eight hours per day, hit point recovery is rolled using the character's hit die type. 
This rule is modified by Constitution hit point adjustment. Here's what I like about this rule. It's a good balance between old school play, where it would take you a month and a half to recover your hit points, yep. and modern play, where it's just an eight-hour rest. Here, you roll your hit die type. And it's modified by your constitution. For example, a wounded thief of 13 constitution gains 1d6. Why 1d6? Because that's what thieves get for hit die. Plus one a hit point of healing per day. Now, does this mean theoretically if that thief with a 13 constitution is level one and takes three hit points of damage, that that thief can heal and be back up the next hit? Yes. But at higher levels, it's probably going to take longer. Those averages are going to kick in. So theoretically, yes, you can heal quicker. At the same time, you could roll poorly and not. Or so, get complete bed rest where there's no roll. You just max it out. Yep. And then, yeah, it's considered a maximum hit point recovery. So you would get you as if you rolled a six right. on there. So, yeah, complete bed rest. Uh, seven more. So chances are you're going to be better after a day or two. But again, that still slows you down. When a person and or monster reduced, it's reduced to zero hit points or less. Death transpires as follows. Beasts, humanoids, and monsters are dead at zero hit points. Yep. Why? Because it's a game. Once you kill it, you kill it. I have one caveat to this rule. Uh oh. And that's if the players absolutely intend to keep the, the NPC, usually a humanoid NPC, alive. I'll, I'll I'll treat it like a we'll call it a gut wound. The NPC is gonna die, but I'll give you Just a couple linger. rounds to to interrogate him, right? To get those last words. But the players have to want that. Uh, common zero level NPCs dead at negative three. I guess I could use that. I I want to give them a chance to keep the character alive because three points. Honestly, when you're talking weapons to do a D eight and D six damage, that's easy to surpass pretty quickly. PCs and NPCs are dead at negative 10 hit points. Why? Because you're kind of the heroes of the story. This isn't as much as you think it is. But you're kind of the heroes of the story. So what happens when you get to zero hit points? The character's unconscious. Spirits. Yep, remember, this is a Hyperborea game. This is a Conan game. So brandy, gin, rum, whiskey, etc. can revive one to consciousness. Allowing him or her to talk and move slowly. But fighting and casting spells is not possible. Minus okay. one, minus three. The character is seriously injured, though relatively stable. Minus four to minus nine. The character is in critical condition, suffers convulsions or blood loss at a rate of one hit point per round. You hit that negative four, it's like, oh, I got till negative ten. Eh, not really. Yeah, you got five rounds. Yeah. You've you've got to negative three. After that, ugh, things are about to go badly for you. And at negative ten, the character is dead. Though the referee might allow dying here to open his eyes and utter a brief final sentence before passing sure but you're dead dead yeah you're, you're done i give you one level's worth of words you're level two what do you say <laughs> resurrection reincarnation we're not going to get into that special damage lycanthropy by the way uh, all, all those trips not going to get into it no i'll leave it on the screen so people can look at it but vampirism lycanthropy poison dysentery all these things are staple to the game. Madness. Absolutely. Remember, what, what is included in weird fantasy? Cthulhu. Hmm. Oh, look. Look at all the types of madness you can get. Homicidal mania. I love it. 
I'm a, I'm a homicidal maniac. Let's do it. Please. That's just a Tuesday. Come on. That's just a player character. <laughs> Murder hobos for life, baby. Poison. Not going to go into the features of that anymore. I think we've discussed a lot of what the game. I think we're also close. Yeah, we're yeah, close to the end. That is it. the end. In fact, that yep, is the end. That's it. Yep. That, that is the end. So it talks about uh, poison venom harvesting. We kind of talked about that a little bit when we got into the character classes. So um, I know some of this, we kind of made clear as mud. My apologies for that. I feel like again, in my head, I can visualize it and it works like that. But uh Hopefully for you, the person who might be interested in the game looks at this and violence solves everything. Who's somebody who does not even like D&D has said that, hey, this is a well-presented version of it. And you, you have to listen to him. I demand it. Demand it. All right. What do you have starred? I got a lot starred. Really? Yep. First, we got... Uh... This third edition has a thunder, has a, a better thunder aspect to it. There's a lot of old tech in here. I think that's anything weird, science or weird fantasy. I think all sure. weird fantasy games are thunder to some degree. Yeah, yeah. If you're a warrior, you have spent years learning combat. This is this is this is in reference to uh, not getting a penalty for any weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And uh, Crafty says, "Hyperia has ray guns." Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. For for people, there are a lot of people out there who don't like to mix sci-fi and fantasy, and I get that because I'm kind of that type of person. But it really is—it's like you know, Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, you know, uh, Hyperborea. I mean, Conan itself, from what people tell me, because I haven't read it, uh, had that stuff in the world. So, how are you going to say no to it? And then crafty when in regards to reaction morale planned encounters yes i agree random encounters should use reaction rolls because the encounter is random so the result should be random as well so you know he agrees with you on the planned encounters don't roll the don't roll it just keep going and travis has a two-parter here okay uh first we got uh so my kid came to me the other day and asked if i ever heard of dungeons and dragons <laughs> i shed a single tear him and his friends want to play oh that's awesome Hang on. I thought they should play an older edition or learn a new game. Do you guys think this would be a good beginner game or find something else? It depends. In my opinion, it depends on the, uh, the mental fortitude and age of the children. Cause this game is inherently bloody. It has madness in it. So it has, it has things that for, for those uh, more, more sheltered kids or younger kids, it's going to freak them out a little bit, but you know, there are, there are very cheap games out there that uh, are for kids between ages five and 10. It's That's funny because he's got a video. <laughs> That's hero kids. Just, uh, just go ahead and look at our YouTube, YouTube channel, go up hero kids. Boom. You're good to go. You got yourself a game that, uh, that's good for ages five to 10. And at the end of the end of the video, I give you an example on how to gear it to ranges in that range, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 as the child gets gets older can get more advanced you can you can use more advanced combat tactics and options stuff like that in the game so i would recommend that but max what do you think you think this is good for a kid and if so what age range would you go as low as a 10 ish 10 ish you know mentality of change. You? My, my i would actually say if you're getting somebody into a game now and pardon me for doing this during a hyperborea segment if you're okay with the theme of this game in terms of like what Heathen Dog said, that it is bloody, it is it is deadly, and it's got that kind of a, it's not a heroic feel to it, it's more of a survivalist feel to it, I would actually say Forbidden Lands. 
I think the rule, the more rules light nature of the game would be easier to, to comprehend. Plus I would like to see more people get into that myself, but I think any game is good. Even Palladium fantasy would be good as confusing as that could be for a kid. Because if you're, if you're the parent running it, you just control how it, how it's presented, how it's paced out. You don't have to worry about every modifier here and there. Start adding them in as uh as the child becomes gains you know, experience. Yeah, yeah, gains experience with the game. So all right. Moving on to Poncho Goblin. I do like how Hyperborea uses does use basically the same number, uh <laughs> just feet versus yards. Makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to worry about uh, having a whole bunch of dice and, and worry about indoors, outdoors. Oh, I need different dice, stuff like that. It's just feet yards. Isn't basic D&D, it's like uh, one in a hundred, right? Or ten in a hundred? Like it's ten, ten yards for uh, for for an underground encounter, but it's a hundred yards or, or feet, whatever. Something like that, yeah. I thought it was ten in a hundred, but yeah, this is one in three. Yeah. And then you put this one out here. Yeah. Uh, Rex Teal says, uh, this game seems like a decent upgrade from OSE for those who may want something a bit more advanced and heroic, though you could still mix the games. So, yeah, so, so this is why I was saying that people probably wouldn't say that I ran Hyperborea. I don't like the setting for Hyperborea. I love the rules. I love how the rules are presented. I don't like the setting. It's not for me. I ran D&D. <laughs> I because it's just D&D, right? I can add in an elf. I can add in a dwarf. I can add in all that stuff. I know how to do that. But that again, and we don't have to be orbiting Saturn and we don't have to be orbiting Saturn. Yeah. But, you know, so you could say, oh, you didn't run Hyperborea. I ran the Hyperborea rules in my own homebrew world. It was for a one shot. Actually, Crafty knows about the adventure because I wrote it. It's a published adventure for Forbidden Lands and, and violence. I get what you're saying. I'm not saying it's. It, it, dumb it down or that oh my god kids can never understood this we understood it to some degree when we were kids as well we got some things wrong it's not about insulting the intelligence of the kid it's about encouraging them to to get more into the uh not worry about every little facet of the game let's just start playing and it's an easier way to start playing with a rules light game than it is with a game with more crunch nothing about insulting kids and their ability to learn I, you know i i have no issues with the you know if somebody's like hey Start playing Palladium Fantasy. Start playing Battle Lords of the 23rd Century. Okay. I mean, you, you can That's do a it. weird, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you can do it as long as you're patient with the kid. And yeah, the kids will pick it up. Yeah, it, it, it does matter how you present. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is it just matters how you present it. And if you're yeah. patient, absolutely kids will get it. Hell, they'll get it quicker than we get it because they got younger minds. <laughs> the, the, only, the only thing I would... I would uh, say to stay away from is uh, stuff that is based on existential horror or dread. I, I don't want a nine-year-old to, to learn that, you know, entropy is everywhere and we're all going to die and the world means nothing. The universe hates you. I, I Are you trying wanna... to lead into your segment? I'm just saying, <laughs> I would, probably wouldn't want that. Are you but trying it, to it is a good lead segment? into my segment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's not going to be covering deaths in space here in a few minutes. And I, 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 he's got thoughts about that game, but uh, you know, it, again, you know, your kids better than I would ever know your kids. But one of the things that I, I recount a lot on the Friday chill stream is that first ever adventure I ever played with the giant ants. And I remember biking home, freaked the hell out over the fact that some two foot ant that doesn't exist in the real world is going to eat me as I'm biking home. And I'm like, 
I love it. I'm telling you, I loved it. That's what made me fall in love with the hobby. So not every kid is going to reject the fear in a way where it's like, oh my God, it was so, you did this to me. You know your children better than I could ever know your children. Just know that that's actually what got me into it. I want that emotional response. I like to laugh in my games, like to cry in my games, like to be angry in my games as, as a Pathfinder, two people are finding out. I like to, you know, I, I like to have that, that emotional uh, content. And as a 10 year old child, Playing D and D for the first time, getting creeped out by giant ants are, you know, trying to eat me. I'm like, imagine that. I hate bugs. You have to understand. I really, really, really hate bugs. I'm like a five year old girl around bugs. I scream. Probably not your girl because girls nowadays pick up bugs. I don't. Uh, and it's got these big pincers that can pretty much slice off your wrists if you really think about it. I don't want to be around that. <laughs> and I heard the chittering. I heard the chittering in the grass while I was biking home. Sure you One. did. One and a half blocks. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, is that it? That's it. All right. Cool, cool. That'll be the end of segment one then. You take a quick break before we go to segment two? Yep. So for the, this isn't going to be on the video side of it, but for the uh, rest of you, for the live stream, you folks here in the live stream side, I'm going to do this. Boom. So, so the Hyperborea, I showed it off, I think, on the first episode, but here is the referee's manual. And let's just look at the chapter headings and see what it goes into. Uh, talks about how to be a referee, 10 pages on how to be a referee. Uh, then you got your bestiary, which is the monster manual. So your monster manual is in this. How to do treasure. It's got a lot of treasure. It's kind of like, the, you know, the DMGs, right? Uh, first and second edition AD&D. And your gazetteer, which is... Yeah, your map it's your atlas it's uh, it's what's going on in the world very well laid out very informative uh you know it's all related to the mechanics of the game let's quickly go to let's go to page like 50 let's see what monsters on page 50 oh demons that's great and it's done in old school format you know, alignment size movement dexterity you know yada yada so not all the art is amazing. Most of it is. <laughs> a lot of it is. So let's get out of the demons for a moment. Okay, let's, let's scroll down. Let's see what else we have. Other, there we go. What is this? War horse, riding horse. What are we talking about here? Dra uh, draft horse. I uh, don't care about horses. Hyenas. There we go. Let's kill a hyena. There you go. And Giant hyena. That doesn't sound good at all. A hyena man. Oh, it's a knoll. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. They have knolls in the game. That's cool. So. All right. So anyway, it's got all the stuff you need. I, I've got my player's book right here. Oh, I'm about to drop some notes. Bye, notes. Um, very well done. I, I like the way this book, I don't know if it's the same printing cover or if it's just a new trend in, um, I can't, I don't think it is, uh, in tabletop games, but this is an, definitely has a very modern cover to it. Not, not by the art style, but if you it kind of has that feltish feel for lack of a better term. I don't know how to call it, whatever it is that this, this type of covering that they put on it. But unlike my Coriolis, which I'm really starting to believe as I pick up more books over the last couple of days, that the Coriolis and Mutant Year Zero books, the reason that those th books have problems is because of the gloss pages. Because this one is like that Forbidden Lands book that I was showing off on the members only chill stream, where it's like it's got normal. Well, this is a glossy page, but most of the pages are normal and the book doesn't feel like it wants to crumble in my hands or that it's going to pop out or anything. It's just. 
So anyway, well done. Got my leather books up there. And so check it out. I hope you guys. Oh, uh, I can't talk. This won't be on the video. But uh, what are your thoughts of Hyperborea? Cl your oh. closing parting shots of Hyperborea. It's it seems really easy to learn. Uh, all of the all of the charts are are easy to use. Um, everything is straightforward. Uh, I I didn't I didn't watch the the magic stuff, so I'm I'm not sure how magic works. But everything else seems to seems to run run uh, pretty smoothly. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, even even for a new game master, this would be easy to adjudicate and run. I didn't really cover magic, and that was intentional. Uh, we talked about it a little bit when we covered the character classes. Like I said, I forgot yeah. the cleric one, so I had to sn sneak that in. And we looked over some of the spells, but we didn't dive into any of the spells because I knew mm -hmm. that was going to be too long anyway. I thought about doing another week on magic, but to be honest with you, the combat section there says magic is that third phase. Cast your spell, and from there, just read your spell description. There isn't really anything else you need on top sure. of that. So, but, uh, All right, let's get rid of uh, the segment one thing there. Let's get ready for segment two. Where is it? How long was that? That actually wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. Longer, you know, long segment, but I kind of thought we were going to hit the two-hour mark, so I'm glad we didn't. Get this up. All right, for segment two, Heathen Dog is going to kill us all. I mean... He is going to talk about death in space. And this is a game. I don't know if I'm happy or disappointed that he's covering because, and I say that because starting next week, we're going to be, I'm going to be diving into a lot of free league games. Well, this is a free league game, but it's not the year zero engine. I will be, I will be covering year zero engine games, but he picked death in space to cover this week. A game I've got game. I have not read through, so I'm really looking forward to what he has to say about this, and one I am incredibly interested in conceptually. Uh, it's written by... Well, who's, who makes it? Stockholm Corsodium, or whatever it's called? That's the de actual developer of it, because Free League publishes it, but uh, yeah, they also do Morkborg, which I'm not a fan of, and uh, I think they also do... Do they do um, Cyborg also? I think so. I I don't know. Again, again, I'm not not a fan of those two games, so I'm hoping it's not exactly like how those games are. But but Ian Dog's going to let us know. And before yes. we get into that, here let us tell you that we believe that role playing games should take place in fantastic worlds or in outer space. And space is trying to kill you. Focus of the game should be on role playing and keeping your breath. Core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity, or the vacuum of space. There's a theme for this segment, by the way. Yeah. The charity we support is Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors and to help them breathe with oxygen suits in space. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals try not to die in space for your mockery and enjoyment. And here on the YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time. Or check out the Friday Night Chill stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. I'll just throw it on the screen. I'm not going to read it. And subscribe. Boom. All right, Hayden Dog. All right. Tell me the good, because there's only good about this game, right? The, 
There's only good about this game. Okay, <laughs> Death in Space is a game based in the far-flung future. Not as far as you might think because the universe is collapsing and dying. And you, as as a as one of the last civilizations left around, have to scrounge what's left to survive as long as you can. That's the basic theme of this game. Nothing new is here. Everything is repaired. Everything is retrofitted. Everything is modified. It's barely working. It's not pretty. If you're thinking Star Trek, think again. You're, you're thinking Millennium Falcon is like, wow, when did that come off the assembly line? Yesterday? That's, that's the kind of gear you're looking at in Death in Space. So what we're going to start with is the background. How did we get here? How did, how did we get to, oh my God, the universe is dying? Well, let's find out. To do that, we are going to get to... I don't believe the universe can die. Well, yeah, of course, no one believes the universe can die <laughs> until it does. <laughs> there you go. And where is my, my page thing? Oh, there we go. Front cover. I don't want front cover. I want page five. There we I don't go. think I've ever seen it say a word like that before. Collapsing universe. A vast blackness of space is collapsing in a slow grind towards eternal nothingness. Wow, that's. That's, that's a great hope, first that's sentence. <laughs> that's, that's the tone, baby. <laughs> Heralding the collapse is the void, a strange presence that infects and corrupts. So say the, the navvies, navigators, uh, okay, workers who travel further into the uncharted space than anyone else as they return from, with stories from faraway systems. Some navvies claim to have seen strange creatures out in, out of the there behemoths drifting from the edge of cosmos, whatever, seeking shelter. Can I, say, I, gotta, I gotta ask you a question already because it's what I thought this game was only in the Earth solar system. So this actually goes no, outside. It is only not in the Earth solar system. Oh, Don't okay. Worry. We're gonna get to that. Okay. Get to that. Oh, that's good news. Yeah, scientists, of course, reject such claims, calling them tales and nightmares. Dude, the universe is collapsing. Why are you rejecting stuff? Yet, even among them, there are some who assert that the universe has stopped expanding. Instead, they say it is now compressing at an accelerated rate towards the inevitable crushing crunch. This uh, every one of these paragraphs ends in such a positive sentence. I'm I know, in. Now, right? Let's do it's this. Crazy good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, the whole idea of of this game is that uh, people are slow to come to the comprehension that what they thought of how the universe fundamentally works is now wrong. There's no proof there, there. There's no scientific proof why it's wrong, but it still is. When this game was made in 20, 2021, we now have a greater understanding of what the universe is going to do in the future. 30, 40 years ago, we thought the universe was expanding and, and contracting that that was the, the hypothesis that had the most, the the most uh, clout where there was a big bang universe expansion and then one day the universe will collapse and create another big bang stupid okay. dark energy and dark matter had to get involved yeah. jerks yeah. now the the competing hypothesis is that the universe is ex ever expanding will never ever contract and the universe will die through heat death everything will just eventually in trillions and trillions of years just dissolve away and there will be left nothing even protons will decay into nothingness. Now, 
the science still supports that in this world, but for some reason, the universe is now contracting. Woo and since scientists can't say why, a lot of them will just fight against the idea rather than accept the fact that this is happening. So that's what happened. Universe gave up. He's like, you know what? You guys screwed this up. We're going to start over again. Let's do this. Okay. Now there, there is a, a, a background about uh, uh, the gem war. There was a, there was a, a mineral found on a specific planet in the universe that, that uh, we are, we're we're going to be based in that system that's where the characters start that uh opened up the the really some really really high tech innovations and inventions and of course there was a war for it because it's only found on one planet and the miners were getting rich and and uh everyone was was uh trying to get them and keep them from other people and stuff like that so war broke out and it basically ruined both sides all the gems are basically now gone and technology, technological advancement has stagnated to the point of almost nothingness. It's not, it's not advancing at all at any appreciable rate. So everything you have is used. Everything you have is refurbished. Everything you have is second, third, fourth, fifth hand. I think it's just people being lazy. Could be just people being lazy. And this, after the war, Central governments either fell or became weakened to the point where they're ineffectual. And it's survival of the fittest. If you're strong enough, if you're smart enough, you will survive and thrive. If you are not, well, you will die in the coldness and darkness of space. Which is why the game is called? Death in Space. Makes perfect sense to me, right? All right. Uh, and Oh, and... Uh, Weird things have started to happen. Weird things called uh, called void uh, void complications or just void things or just the void. Uh, when uh, the the universe seems to be not only contracting but breaking down, things that shouldn't exist in the universe are being found in it, and are are affecting uh, things in the natural universe, uh, decaying them or mutating them in ways that cannot be explained but are in fact happening we're going to get to that in a little okay. while but these things do exist these things do have an effect and you can be a victim of it of this now you void say corruption magic in this universe not magic void corruption it's well you can consider it magic because it can't be explained scientifically it shouldn't exist with the physical laws of our universe and yet it does is that magic? It depends on your definition. Okay. Fine. Then we move on. Go. Oh yeah, here's a here's a little uh, little blurb here. Civilization is at its end. Slowly but steadily, the universe contracts toward an inescapable end. The void between the stars whispers strange and portentous phrases to the unlucky. This is a game about the hardworking explorers and laborers in this universe and the jobs they take to survive in a war-torn stellar system where anarchy spreads and resources are scarce. Without a good aim and a tech-savvy mind, they will quickly meet their death in space. This is the basic point of the game. It is a survival game. Survive as long as you can survive as well as you can if you can help people along the way fine if you can take advantage of them to help yourself 
also fine because as long as you survive, you're winning. You're not winning when you're dead. That's it. That's it. In this book, you will find the rules and tools you need to play the game. Of course you will. Uh, first other rules for creating a crew of player characters and their hub. And that's what we're going to get into in the next segment. We are going to get into what makes a character. But still, I want you to understand this, this game. I want your players to understand the basic premise of this game. How it was written is that there is no winner. And a lot of people are going to get weird about that. A lot of people are going to feel ways about, about this thing. But if you think about every other role-playing game out there, there's no winner there either. They're just, you get old and retire, you die, or you stop playing. You can do the same thing with death in space. No one said the universe was collapsing tomorrow. The universe was huge. Now it's shrinking. Well, for trillions of years, it was expanding. How long is it going to take to shrink? At what point are we in the process? It's okay. up to the game. Reminds master. me of what's that? Reminds me of Earth Dawn. Drink. Well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, now, if you think about it, with the, the kind of the post apocalyptic thing, they can't right. explain why magic is no longer fading Waning. and so forth. Yeah. 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 So, what at what point in the process are you? Are you at the last days of the universe where the universe has shrank so much you can see the edge? Or are you, are you at the point where it just started and you're still, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years away from this inevitable thing? Well, you're not going to live that long anyway. So for you, it's just a regular game, right? It all depends on what the game master does. But the game was made to have that existential dread there. That why have children type dread. <laughs> You know, I, I, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Does so, it really matter anyway? Do I want to bring them into this universe? Exactly. Now, uh, you exist in the iron ring. This is a ring around a planet. And I don't have the planet name here. I should have, I should have had the planet. Name. Is it Tenebris? Yes. Yeah. There, there you go. Thank you. Where, where the gems were found. All right. Now the gems are, are 99.99999% mined out there. There is no cost benefit for a big mining operation anymore, but all of the ships that were in orbit were cobbled together, dismantled and reconstructed to form an artificial ring around the planet. Oh, and okay. This... See, that's what I was misunderstanding. See, I thought it was uh, a space station floating around earth, but okay. Well, it that... now. It, it's a space station now, but not around earth around okay. this, this, this once, you know, highly profitable mining planet. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm starting to understand the game a little better. I should have read it. There you go. <laughs> and there are as many different communities as there are now stars in the sky. Maybe there's less, but hey, how big is it now too? What's that? How big is it? It, well, think of it. It is a, it is a ring that goes completely around the, the, the circumference okay. of the planet multiplied by two or three because it's outside in yeah. orbit, right? Okay. And e even if it's only uh, 50 yards in, in diameter and 50 yards high, it's still going to be a massive amount of area. Massive amount of area. But the thing is, the exact dimensions are up to the game master. Okay. All right. Some some areas of the ring are in good working order. They've been maintained, repaired. Other areas of the ring are abandoned 
and barely habitable or not habitable at all. <laughs> you as the player character are tugged into this system with your barely functional spaceship or barely functional space station and you immediately start off with debt. You are in debt for docking fees and tow fees to get here to the Iron Ring. Now, again, this starts you off in a negative position. The universe is dying and I owe a hundred bucks. Damn it. You know, <laughs> it, the game starts you off with the players at their lowest point. You have no friends. So obviously, no the goal is to dig yourself out of that and become the heroes yes. of the galaxy, right? Yes. The goal is to dig yourself out and survive. Oh, not heroes That's of the goal. galaxy. Hey, if if your if survival for you equals I now run the ring, okay, shoot for that. Fine. Great. But you start off this game in the hole. Okay. All right. So uh that is basically the background of death in space. Now in the in the next section we're going to get into character generation, what that hub is, your space your space station or your spacecraft you came here with, what uh how to use that stuff like that. And then the general rules. And I'll even give an example combat because it's incredibly easy. The rules here are very simple, easy to understand, easy to implement, and it makes this game easy to play because if you sit back and think about it, that's what makes this game hard to play. The existential terror is a little hard to bear if you really ponder too much about it. So they decide to make the rules pretty easy. I know you're going to talk about like campaign and so forth ideas later, but what is the general premise? What, what is so you've already laid out that there's no hope or theoretically no hope. Theoretically no hope. Yes. So what is the premise of the game? What is the purpose of the characters playing this game? Generally speaking, again, game master can do what a game master wants to, but right. Generally speaking, what is the premise of the game? When you create your character, which I'm going to get into in the next segment, you have to decide what is winning for you. Each character is going to be different. What is survival that's worth it entail for you? Strive to do that. If survival for you is to, is to have a harem of, of beautiful women and, 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 and be debaucherous and, un, until, until the lights go out, then that's winning for you. That is that is you that is you happily surviving. If it's repairing your ship and uh, and and being able to have the freedom to go between the last few inhabitable systems whenever you want to, if that's you winning, do that. Everyone has to have a goal, or you might as well put a bullet in your brain. Okay, Crafty says. Um... I can't reach it and I don't want to roll all the way back. Starship Ward. No, actually, I think I started. Hold on. Let's go to the start comments. Yeah, I did start. Now, this game would be awesome to run Starship Warden with. Warden is slowly decaying as it floats through space. The scenario matches up to the brilliant. Uh, okay, matches up brilliantly with the game's theme. Yes, uh, I would say that Starship Warden would be awesome. I don't know the rules of this game well enough. Again, Heathen Dog's introducing. I know that. I understand the overall. One million foot view <laughs> concept of the game. I didn't have the planet right. I seriously thought it was like the expanse inside our our solar system. So he already uh, you know educated me on that one. But uh, ultimately, yeah, the Starship Warden, which is a that thick of a book, you guys have it, you know, it would be great for a game like this. I would probably do that. So uh, agree with Crafty one hundred percent on that. Uh, Connor Lord says yes, a game I can play to lose. I know that's kind of your thought a little bit too. 
That's why bit. I started yeah. that one. But like, like I said, I mean, every other role-playing game, you don't play to the end of the universe, right? Well, this one, you have the option to do that. But again, you don't have to. It, it'll end up being just like any other role-playing game. It's just the backdrop is significantly less joyful. See, I, I'll tell you, that interests me. I like... I wouldn't want to do it for the rest of my life or whatever, but I'd love to play a game like this for like a year or two, uh, depending on how often we played. Just that whole thing. How long can we hold on? We know that space, like theoretically, we could die next adventure or next next session. But if we live, that's the win. I, I, I like things like that. And Baldahar says, tell me more. Well, he's going to in the next segment, Baldahar. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, any final words for segment uh, or this first part of segment two? No, I'm going to, when when I speak of uh, character creation and your hub and general stuff like that, all of this will, all this background be crystallized into, oh, I get it. You know, because you have to be in the perspective of your character to really understand how to move forward. Okay. And we're going to get to that. Sounds good. All right. See you in the next segment. I don't know why I said that. That was that was interesting. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. We'll be in a moment. Okay. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know. I like games where I'm not a hero. I like games where the struggle is to survive. I don't mind the idea that the game is ultimately going to win as long as getting to that point is fun. Yeah. And I find, and to me, I, it's like, you know, you know, we've talked about it. I like survival games. Sure. When I have time to play them, I like survival games on the computer, knowing full well that the first like five, six, seven, eight times I play the survival game, I'm going to die because I suck and I don't know how to chop a tree properly. You, have you ever played Ark? Yes. The first time, I wish I would have had it on video. Like the first time I played that game, the first day I played that game ever. This is years ago when it first came out. I think I died 30 times in wow. one day. Oh yeah, dude, I got, I didn't know what I was doing. I got in that game and I did everything from, I think I starved to death to having a bird just grab me and just fly me off. I was like, what the hell just happened here? Why am I seeing the ground go away from me? Oh, I'm dying. You know, I like, like, nice. I, I like that kind of stuff. Then I finally figured out how to build a house and, you know, whatever else. But yeah, I, I, I find that stuff to be interesting. All right. For the next part of segment two, Ethan Dog is going to talk about the game system, character creation, and some aspects of the game to prepare you to play it. To want to survive in space. That's what I'll say. There you go. We're, survive we're in change. space. Or at least be born in space. You were yeah, born you in go. space. Now you're going to die in space. As always, we believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds, or apparently outside of them. The folks of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time trying to survive. Core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. You can click on the little smiley face guy donate to our charity the wounded warrior project appreciate that and there's the schedule that we have on youtube and on twitch and I, hey did you see i didn't say it before did you see i added the rumble link in there i per, saw that per did i spell it right yeah I did. Oh, for some reason i thought it said something different wow uh yeah per suggestion so thank you for the suggestion you can now watch us on rumble too that 
I'm going to see how often I can get him off topic and subscribe for me taking Heathen Dog off topic. Okay, here we are. Now, the heavy, heavy background nature of this game is completely flipped on its head when we're talking about character generation. It's incredibly simple. We're going to get to it right now. First, you roll your abilities. There are only four. Body, Dexterity, Savvy, and Tech. Then you roll your Origin. These two things are the only things that matter game mechanic-wise about your character. If you only do one and two, mechanically, you can play the game. But three, four, five, and six is flavor, is your your care how your character would act or react to situations because of your personality past experiences disposition whatever let's go over let's go over your abilities first body is your strength physical resistance and melee attacks this is how you uh how you attack hand to hand this is how much damage you do with with melee attacks with with weapons or with punches this is your your constitution with uh, in regards to resilience and your your obviously your general strength. Then we get dexterity, reflexes, poise, and speed. This would probably increase your movement rate. This would increase this do, this does increase your your resistance to being hit, your dodging ability. Then we have your savvy. This is a your this is your perception plus charisma type thing, and your willpower, your resistance to to your psychological attacks, and of course piloting spacecraft or uh uh. In intuition, what, what would you think intuition would be? Well, don't worry, we're going to do that. Tech, understanding <laughs> oh. and operating technology, ranged attacks. This is uh, this is important. Someone has to have a, a a significant tech attribute because all the all the technology around you is falling apart. It's all old. You can you can you can buy someone to repair your tech in the ring, which is the the uh, the the ring space station around the planet where you are where you start. But it's expensive, and you're already starting in the hole. You already owe the hub money. You don't have money. You got to do jobs to get money. Why spend more money? Have a guy do it. Have a party member do it himself. That's important. To generate these values, it's amazingly, it's, it's, it, I have never seen attribute generation like this. You roll a D4. Max, roll a D4. Oh, a D4. Hey, one I haven't stepped on. I got a two. All right. Roll another D4. All right. I got a four. Your 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 body, which is this first stat, is a two minus four, negative two. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Yeah. It's weird, right? All right. The, the ability value rolled is the first roll minus the second. Alternatively, you can roll two at the same time, but make them be different colors where one color is positive, one color is negative, and there, there's your there's your stat. That's how you do it. You do that for all four, and you're good. And then you roll your origin. Your origin is uh, how you were born, how you were raised, where you came from, all that stuff. And it's going to be a one through six. So go ahead and roll a six-sided die for us. I don't want to after that roll. <laughs> Death is really hates you know me, and I haven't even started yet. Where are my six hiders? My God, I got like thirty of them. I can't find them. All right, uh, five, five. Okay, Vel uh, velocity cursed. 
ill-fated ones that have started to lose their connection to reality. They <laughs> shift and flicker in and out of space-time with glitching faces. Wait, wait, and what? The effect, because of your origin, is this, future memory. You have already been here. Once per session, ask the referee for directions. What, what what's going to happen? Where do I, where, where do I go to get where I want to go? Because deja vu for you is real. You have done okay. it before. You've seen it before. Pocket world. You start with a portable non-physical server. This is a, a completely immersive VR server housing a virtual reality where you store memories to connect the past and the future of your life up to 10 users can connect simultaneously. So th this is, this is your own, uh, your own, you know, virtual, virtual server. Basically. And I can bring nine other people to my madhouse. It's great. Yes. Yes, you can. You know, th this, this is the kind of stuff we're looking at. Let's look at another one. Chrome ancient AI placed in a body vessel of organic material. You are an artificial intelligence program downloaded into a meat suit. And there are only Artificial. five of these that you can roll or six, six of these. Yes. Yeah. All right. And each one has, has a, a background and a special ability. You have future memory and pocket world, whereas Chrome would have native machine and body battery. You can converse with computers as if you, they were real people plug in <laughs> and find a friend. Or, hey, TSR, how you doing today? And body battery. You can use your body to power one small electrical device, such as a handheld item. Now, uh, choose role origin and pick one of the two benefits. You get one of these, one of these benefits. Now you can buy the other benefit later with, with advancement, with, ex with basically experience points, but you start with one. Now body battery is neat because if, uh, if you have a laser pistol, you can just plug it into your body and use it. I was going to say, if you have a Mutsogen. Or, you know, or, or you have a, you have a, a handheld computer, you can power it off that stuff like that. Nothing, nothing large. You can't power a spacecraft or a space station. Oh. It is a handheld item, but one and two, your attributes and origin are the only things that are, that are mechanically useful to the game for the game system. Everything else is. So at this flavor. point, theoretically, we've made the character. Yes. At this point, you can now play the game. Okay. You can play the game and make everything else up. That's why with this game, you don't have to roll anything else. You can just choose what you want to play because it literally doesn't matter to anyone but you. This is your personality. This is your background. This is how you will react to situations, how you view the world. You can choose or roll. Either well, one is fine. 10. You got to pick number 10. Yeah. It's mechanically indifferent. <laughs> Legionnaire. That's right. You could be a legionnaire. <laughs> That's funny. To determine your background, trait, drives, and looks, roll or subscribe to be a legionnaire. That's right. These help determine who you are and add color to your player character. And then you give your character a name. You can be an orbit orbital vagabond, an intergalactic traveler, an asteroid driller, an isotope coder. It explains it all there. And it doesn't give any benefit for that. Like no game benefit at all. No in-game benefit for these. Just flavor. And then for your trait, are you polite, cynical, eccentric, relentless, dishonest, creepy, lazy, inventive, hard-boiled, savage? Up to you or roll random. Or are you a Murtaugh? And then we move on to... Come on. Give me. 
There we go. Past allegiance. Again, this is uh, this is all flavor. Who when before you got to the ring, who were you beholden to, or what did you do with your life? You held on some to some value, faith, science, or something else higher than war and strife. You 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 are now you either were religious or you believed in science. Do you still, or are you disillusioned? I was told did all the girls were here. There you go. Did you did you stay to protect your family as long as you could? Is your family still alive? Did you fail? Is that why you're here? It's all flavor. And then you have your hit points and defense rating. You start with a 1d8 maximum hit points. When you rest, you recover a d8 plus your body attribute. If your body is negative, that's a minus. Your defense rating is a measure of how well you can avoid damage. Your unarmed defense rating is 10 modified by your decks, either higher or lower. It can increase with armor, but that's it. Hit points, 1d8. So wait, wait, wait. If I roll a d8 and I go to recover and I have that minus two for my body, right? Let's say I roll a one. I roll a one minus two. That's negative one. Do I actually lose a hit point or does it have a base of zero or one? You have an option. You can, you can be a minimum of one. Okay. Or you can roll again until you have at least a one. Okay. Okay. So, so you're never going to get worse. No, no. You, okay. Well, you can't have zero or negative hit points. You just, you, you, you were still born. That's not good. No, I wasn't talking about that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's starting hit points. I got, yeah. I was looking at the recover. No, I was looking specifically at the recover. You recover. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Plus body. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, when you rest, you recover a D eight plus body. So yes, if you roll a zero or less, you just didn't recover anything that day. Okay. That's fair. Or, you know what? Depending on the game master, he's like, oh no, you got an infection. You lost more hit points. Universe still hates you. Universe still <laughs> hates you. Remember that. Universe hates you, hates you to death. And then we move to the, the art the style art for this game is very minimalist as well, as you can see. Look at this. But it, but it's it it's it's invoke <clears throat> I can't talk evocative invoke. of the world. Yes. Or the setting. Yes. Yes. It, it invokes the, the, uh, the, the bleakness of the setting by taking all the color out of the artwork, but still making it very gritty. So Heavy like shadows. Yes. All right. And your gear and starting bonus. Okay. This is, uh, the, this is, uh, Ooh. the items and possible, weird power that you may have it, i'm i'm harking I'm, I'm feeling a lot of paranoia stuff here when i read this we'll, we'll do it right now savings hollows are the most common form of currency you start with 3d10 spare hollows when you come to the hub you have i'm sorry when when you come to the ring you have your hub which is either a space a space station or a spaceship and this money in your pocket your items one small personal trinket and that's it that's all you got. You are starting from scratch. Item slots. You have 12 plus body item slots. Item slots are basically just an ex explanation of how much crap you can carry at one time. If you're bigger, you can fit more pockets on your body. That's the idea. Does it make perfect sense? No, it's a game. Shut up. There you go. Starting gear. For starting gear, roll or choose one of the starting kits and personal trinket. Okay, starting kit. Roll it, roll a D6. Do it. All right, rolling it now. I got a two. You got a two. You have the kit of a ring thug. Now, are you a ring thug? Maybe not, but you have I, the kit for it. I beat him up and took his kit. There ah. you go. 
<laughs> you come with a distillery kit, lock picks, yes. holographic playing cards, 1D4 doses of an unknown substance in a mi- mixed Rufy's. in a bag. I told you I came here for the chicks. Oh, yeah. We, and, and there are drugs here because it's existential dread time. So, yes, there are drugs. They are bad and they are addictive and you can screw yourself over with them. Awesome. Now, this starting kit may or may not fit the look of your character. But the thing is, this is this is end times, people. You get what you get. You keep what you can keep. So, yes, you you may have a tech of plus three, but you may not get an engineer kit. You may get uh, a prospector kit. (laughs) You know, does that help you in engineering? No. Does it help you with tech stuff? No. Well, it has engine grease. Yeah, fair. Fair (laughs) enough. But you get what you get because the universe doesn't care about you. And your personal trinket. This is this is something that uh, that personally I would choose, but you can roll. Uh, go ahead. And, uh, I'm going to roll a d20, Aww. and it is 17. 17 is ancient synthesizer shaped like a gun. What? Yeah, ancient ancient synthesizer. I don't know what that is. Even I forget. I, when I when I heard synthesizer, I thought keyboard, but it's shaped like a gun. Yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, two glowing wedding rings, ancient necklace inscribed with the letters USB. What is that? Is that an old USB drive? Maybe. Is it just garbage? Maybe. It depends on the game master. This is all just this is all just flavor and fluff until the game master doesn't want it to be. Now, the ancient synthesizer, is it a is it a keytar shaped shaped like a gun? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. A laser shoot and sing at the same time. There you go. A laser disc with your favorite music. Again, flavor. Flavor. Is it worth money to the right person? Sure. Is it worth more to you as a memorabilia? Maybe. Now, the last most important thing is your hub. Your hub, they call it a hub because it is it is the central point of your character's life. You spent all of the money that's not in your pocket <laughs> on this thing. It is either a small space station or a small space ship. It is barely functional at the beginning. Is of the this game. pulled together by the group? No. Oh, so each person has a hub of his own. The hub is your home, your sanctuary in a tough universe. The crew starts with a station or a spacecraft, oh. the crew, not every character, the crew spacecraft as a hub for a campaign centered on exploration, where you use your rundown spacecraft to travel between locations in the stellar system and beyond. There are there are two types of travel, in-system and out-of-system. In-system takes fuel, not a whole lot, but still some, takes time. Out-of-system travel is, is uh, some version of FTL travel, a lot of money, a lot of time, but that is where you're, you're going to another civilization and stuff like that. If that's your goal, that's what you want to do, fine, do that. Or you can have a space station for a campaign focused on social interaction and intrigue in this Iron Ring system. Uh, for example, in the Iron Ring or Moon Colony, the station can be a small base, a repurposed spacecraft, which is part of a section of the Iron Ring or something similar. You can connect to the Iron Ring, become part of it. That's your section of the Iron Ring. Or you can you can fix it up and have it be its own standalone small waypoint space station. And maybe you can be a center of trade, be it legal or illegal. It all depends on how you want to advance your campaign. What winning is for you. 
you choose which it is, spacecraft or space station. And when you start, your starting hub contains a power source and a set of core functions. As the game progresses, you can mount additional modules on it and add new possibilities and further define the purpose of the hub and the crew. Core functions. All hubs are equipped with a set of core functions. They do not cost any output power. Power is a thing. Remember, this is a, this is a gritty survival game. Power is not free. It, you have to allocate it. Command center. This is your bridge. Crew quarters, where you live. Life support. Everyone gets life support. Don't worry about it. Life support is free. Wait, right? I don't know. It's death in space. Are you sure? Well, you have to fix a hole if you have a hole. But <laughs> once you fix the hole, air will come back. It's fine. Okay. It, it's, uh, life support is all-encompassing for oxygen, heating, water, garbage disposal, and artificial gravity. Notice it doesn't say food. Mess hall, the only place large enough for the whole crew to sit together and discuss current operations while wolfing down some processed grub. Additional modules. Now, uh, additional modules aren't important right now, but you, you can add functionality to your spaceship or, or your space station by finding, repairing, buying, or just flat out cobbling together different modules to install into your hub. Now, I, I don't want to go over all of the, this is an example hub. As you can see, it doesn't look pretty, but it gets the job done. That's what it's for. That's what you can expect in this universe. Again, you're not looking at, you're not looking at pretty, pretty Star Trek stuff here. All right. You're looking at, you know, the Millennium Falcon is, is, is the cleanest ship I've ever seen type scenario. What is that thing on the side? It looks like it wants to eat you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, your spacecraft had a different purpose before you got hold of it. Roll to choose a background. Now, this is the background of your spacecraft. Again, this is mainly for flavor. Say so D20. I like number four. You like I four? Oh, okay. uh, I, got, I got a six. No, five. Can't, can't five. read. Okay. Has traveled to the edge of the universe and back. Uh-oh. Now, this, this, this one, I like this one a lot because this is a, uh, uh, what, what's that movie? uh event horizon oh geez no yes this is an event horizon situation if you don't know the movie google it and look for a synopsis you went to the edge of the universe peered into the void and and the ship came back is the ship normal does it have a secret stowaway that is made of void things or is it now cursed that's See, up to the game master. I may as well just roll the four then, damn it. Yeah, may as well have. Yeah. <laughs> now it's up to the game master to decide. Again, it's nice. It's flavor. Hub quirk. This is a special quirk <laughs> oh, of Please, your hub. please tell me how my hub <laughs> kicks me roll, in the roll nuts. Roll another D20. Uh, uh, I can't read dice. Looks like a 15. 15. I lied. It's uh, a 16. There is a constant drip of diluted chemicals all throughout your hub. It, this is a quirk. You constantly dripping a strange chemical everywhere. It's freaking everywhere. You clean it, you patch it, another hole comes up. Is it is it important to gameplay? No. Does it does it change the mechanics of of your starship or or a space station? No. It's for flavor. That's what it's meant for, for flavor. That's it. And that that uh, that goes over our our character generation. Now we're going to get into some general rules. 
Can you before you do that? Can you show the link to the character generator? Oh, oh you just want show, that? Oh. yeah, show, show, okay. show the folks what the character generator looks like. All right, stand by. I got to get into Discord. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can send me the, uh, the link in private chat, I'll put it in the description. This game has an official character generator, and it's it's a one click. It's a one stop shop. Click. That's all it is. Yep. Yep. And where are you? Sorry, I had to turn off my Discord. It, it was blinging way too early, way too often at the beginning of the stream. I understand. And here it is. Copy. Paste. Boom. I can I can put it in StreamYard as well, yes, and please. you you can put it in uh, in Rumble. There's there's the link, and I'm going to show it right now. Can you post that in a private chat so I can copy it? Sure can. There you go. Present you. screen. Chrome tab. There we go. Boom. Share. This is I it. I love it. I love it. I know, it. right? This is cool. All right. So uh, you, you just click render new life. It changes color. And it rolls all your stats. It rolls your hit points. It has. Oh, your that's a good one. Has your defense rating. This one's all positives. It's really cool. Yeah, the one I that's rolled nice. was like minus two, minus two, minus know, one, right? minus two. That's <laughs> like what the hell. And your origin is a punk. Your origin benefit is green thumb. You know everything about plants and what to use them for. You start with a, a pocket greenhouse and some random seeds. This will help you get food. Hey, this is a hopeful character. This, this is, is yeah. a character that's gonna die first because this character brings you hope. Uh, your past allegiance, you were on the losing side of some conflict. That's what brought you here. You are a perfectionist. You, the looks, how, how you look, you layers of black fabric wrapped loosely. <laughs> your starting kit is a ring thug kit. Your personal trinket is two glowing wedding rings. The, now the background of, of these, of these personal trinkets is completely up to you. Remember you are on the losing side of a conflict. Did you lose your wife? So you have your wedding rings around your neck and as, as a necklace to remember your loss. Or did you kill somebody else and now you're hawking them? Yeah. And you want to do another one? Bam. This one's got a minus one savvy, but a plus one dex. Your, your velocity cursed and you took future memory. So once per session, you, you can ask the referee what's going to happen and he's got to tell you. Or where to get to. Like, I, I'm going here. How do I get there? It's a maze. No, I already know. I've been there before. Oh, okay. There you go. So yes, this is really cool. It is free. Let me put it in chat. That's awesome. And uh, you, you can use it to quick make a character. Like I said, the characters are so easy. This doesn't take away from anything. If you don't care about your origin, if I mean, if you, if you don't care about your background, your traits, your personal trinket, your kits, and you don't want to pick them, you just want to get a character and go, this is it. You can print that out too. Yes. At the, at the bottom, at the bottom of the page. Does it show how it prints it? Because I haven't actually seen. How does it print out? Can you click? Yeah. It prints it out exactly. You see it except in black and white. Oh, okay. So, so you're you're not using color on your printer. That's it. Okay. White background, black letters, but it's the exact same exact same thing we're looking at. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So, let's cancel that and let's get my screen back up. Bam. There we go. All right. So general rules. The, the four attributes defining how competent a character is. Now, there are no skills in this game. 
everything is determined by a D20 target number of 12, modified by circumstance, your abilities, possibly items. No skills. None. So hmm. if you want to make an attack, a melee attack, you, you roll a D20 looking for a 12 modified by your body attribute. If your body is zero, you need to roll a 12. You roll a 12, you hit with that weapon. That's it. If you don't, you don't. Now, it's also modified by the defense rating of your of, of the person you're trying to hit. If they have a high dex, that 12 is modified up to a plus three. If they have armor, it's modified up to a plus two more. There are, there, the my armor only gives you a plus one or a plus two, and sometimes only to specific attacks. For example, a flak jacket will not protect you against a knife. A flak jacket will protect you against an explosion. Oh, okay. A, bullet, a bulletproof vest will protect you against, guess what? Bullets. It will not protect you against a punch. It should, but it doesn't. And then there is the there is the all-encompassing armor that is incredibly expensive that, that gives you a, a plus two uh, defense rating to everything. Okay. But it is incredibly expensive. And then, of course, there are opposed rolls. In the game where, where the attempted task is directly opposed, roll a 1d20 plus your ability value for both involved. Highest roll wins. So if you're wrestling, you're both rolling body. You roll a D, you both roll a D20 plus your body. Whoever gets the higher wins. That's it. It's easy. Advantage and disadvantage. Here we go. When there are rare situational factors that give someone a significant edge, you get advantage. If there are rare situational factors where you are at a significant detriment, you have disadvantage. Advantage is when you, you roll a die twice and you use the better result. If you have, say, uh, uh, an, an, a, a mechanical automatic lockpick device and you're trying to pick a lock, you have significant advantage. You would roll your D20 twice plus, plus your tech or dex, depending on what the, what the game master says it is, and you would take the higher result. If you're trying to pick a lock with no tools whatsoever, you're at a significant disadvantage. You roll your D20 twice, take the lower result. But it's supposed to be rare. It's supposed to be when the advantage or disadvantage is extreme. Do you actually get the mechanic for you or against you? It's not meant to be used just having a tool, not having a tool. It's not meant to be used by, I have the high ground Anakin. No, you got to have the the high ground with barbed wire in between you and- Shooting uh, and, him in the and, back and, while he's sleeping. Yeah, and, and, a, and, a, and a laser drone that shoots everything that tries to jump. You know, then you would get advantage in that situation. Void points. These ones are, are a very, very- uh, important to give you the feel of the universe is actually collapsing. Oh, that first red box text. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Gaining wow. void points. <laughs> All right. For each failed ability check or attack roll, a player gains one void point. You can have four at most. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I should have finished one, reading it. Every time you fail an attack roll or an ability check and 
There are no skills. Everything's an ability check. Everything. So you can easily gain four void points. But what to do with void points? What do they do? One void point can be used to gain advantage on an ability check or an attack roll. Activate a cosmic mutation. Now, the void, the, the void points are a symptom of the dying universe. Energy from or something from outside the universe is leaking in and causing these anomalies. Now, if you have a cosmic mutation, which you may not have, you can use a void point to activate a cosmic cosmic mutation. This is a special void ability that I'm going to get into later that, that you have that you can activate to create a special pseudo-magical effect. But the problem is using void points can give you void corruption. If a void point is spent to gain advantage and the roll still fails, you roll a d6. If the result is equal to or lower than the amount of current void points you have, you get void corruption. No void point is gained for, for, the, for the failed roll. Okay. This is, this is the void corruption. Jeez. So having void points is easy to get. The problem is if you use a void point and you still fail in your endeavor, having three void points sucks because there's a 50% chance you're going to get corrupted. All right, what did I get? Oh, where's my D20? Roll your D20. It's my corruption. I got a four. A four. You hear inhuman, nonsensical whispers through any static noise. That's forever. Forever. Your mind has been corrupted. You are a little bit insane. And you can hear on the the other side of the veil. Oh, hold on. I make a tinfoil hat. I'm fine. That's an example. Your skin starts excreting a slimy substance that sticks to anything. Oh, that's horrible. You gain a heightened sensitivity to all pain. One extra damage to all hit point loss. Forever. You grow an extra set of teeth. Alien. One shark. Per month. Your mind and body disappears into a void plane for 1d4 days. Bye. But, but only 10 minutes pass in the real world. You oh. are in a plane with an endless horizon suspended in time with dark clouds hovering above. They seem closer on each visit. The storm is getting closer. <laughs> Another you starts growing on you. The twin clone is fully grown and detaches after 1d20 days. It has its own will and purpose decided by the referee. This game is so hopeful. It's got procreation in it. It has a, a sexual procreation right here. <laughs> you have a vision of the end of the universe, a crushing darkness that envelops all. Change one cosmic mutation for a new one. If you have a cosmic mutation, you roll randomly for a new one. If you don't, as a game master, I would say you get one. But what is this cosmic mutation? Well, let's find out. These are the possible cosmic mutations. Again, roll a d20. Ten. Ten. Symbiotic. And take over a small animal in sight by sending whispered commands through the void. Allows you to control its movements, sense what it senses, and feel what it feels. You can take over the body of any animal that you can see. That's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And it says animal in sight. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't say physical sight. 
It doesn't say not over camera. It doesn't say any of that. If you have a real-time feed, this would work. Transceiver can transmit and receive radio messages and eavesdrop on others. The range depends on the amount of, inter of interfering material from 50 meters inside a station up to kilometers in open space. Lasts until concentration is dropped. So you can, you can send, receive radio signals, intercept radio signals that are passing through your area all by spending a void point and activating your cosmic mutation. Well, that's pretty neat. It is neat. But like, like I said, void points are both a benefit and a bane. Yeah. And we, we get into spare parts. I'm not going to get into to spare parts, how to use them, because everything's falling apart. Spare parts is important. And to be fair, that uh, this is an overview. This isn't a read-through like yeah. segment one. So It's not a read-through. This overview. Con the condition of things is also important. Because uh, if, if you roll badly when using an item, you can break that item or damage that item. When it becomes damaged enough, it breaks. And now it needs to be repaired to be functional at all. You could do that to your ship. You can do that to your space station. You roll badly. Oh crap, I, I, I broke the lights or I broke the gravity generator. Crap. The only thing you can't break is life support. They're not gonna do that to you. That's, that's too much. <laughs> Everything, no, we wanna kill you slowly, not quickly. What the yeah, heck? Yeah, not quickly, slowly, that's the idea. Now we're going to get into a little bit of combat, a little bit of combat example, and then we will move on to campaign ideas. Okay. Combat rounds. Combat is structured into rounds, representing about 10 seconds of in-game time. This is normal, common in many games. A, a combat round is 10 seconds. Uh, in each round, every participant gets one turn each where they can perform an action and, and move about 15 meters. So you can move and use an action. It's a little low for most uh, Year Zero games. Or I know it's not Year Zero, but most Free League games. Usually we're, we're uh, in a confined space, right? We're either in the hub or we're in the Iron Ring That's and fair. everything uh, is cluttered. To be and clear, the, I'm not the, complaining. Yeah, the, the floor is constantly littered with cables and wires. So moving quickly and moving far are two very, very different things. Initiative cool and turn just... order. The one who initiates the conflict begins the first combat round. Mm -hmm. If unclear, determine randomly. When a participant has taken their action, they pick the next one to act, either friend or foe. Does that seem weird? Yes. It is weird. But think, okay, here you go. If this actually makes striking first, very beneficial. If you initiate combat, you go first. If you say, I attack, you go first. And then you choose who goes next. You set the tempo of the combat round by choosing the next person after you. It's a but very big caveat to that that you'll exactly hopefully get to now, here in a second. <laughs> it, works, it works that way for the game master too. If the game master attacks first, he goes first. And the NPC chooses who goes next. So it's a, it's a game of gotcha. First to strike, first to wound, strike fast, strike hard. It, it's Cobra Kai, baby. And then there's the butt. <laughs> no, the, the butt is the last person to go determines who acts first in the next round. 
This process continues until all participants have acted once in the round. The last person to act chooses who begins the next round <laughs> and they can choose themselves. So yes, it's a rub, but it's a rub on both sides. That sounded weird. Let's move on. <laughs> Attack rolls. Attack roll is resolved by rolling a 1d20, adding the player character's body to the roll on a melee attack or tech on a ranged attack. If it is equal or greater than the opponent's defense rating, the attack hits. Defense rating is base of 12. Added or subtracted by your dex attribute, plus three to minus three. And if you're wearing any armor that's applicable to the attack you're getting hit with, it adds to your defense rating as well. So maximum possible defense rating in this game is 17. Maximum possible. That's all you can get to. Plus three for decks, plus two for armor, and that armor is, is applicable to the attack, 17. So no one is out of range of hitting. No run is out of range of missing. Everyone can hit everyone. Just a little harder or a little easier. That's it. And then there are risky attacks. There's stuff like this is this is all uh, 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 advanced combat conditions that I'm not going to get through. Stuff but we that, can dive in. If somebody wants a deep dive later to, on. We can dive into it later. That's fine. But the basic thing for combat is whoever attacks first goes first, chooses who goes next. The last person to go in that combat round chooses who goes first the next round. To hit someone, you roll a d20. They have a defense rating, base of 12. Add or subtract their, their, uh, their dex modifier and then add any applicable armor bonuses, one or two, and that's their defense rating. That's what you have to roll to hit. And that's it. That's easy. That's all it is. That's it. Now, advancement is very, very easy. They, they, since there <laughs> are no levels... <laughs> yeah, there's advancement. There are no levels. There are no classes. There's no experience point table. Here, as a matter of fact, let's let's go back to the to the cover. Front page. I didn't write it down. I should have. And we go down to the table of. I do content. like the layout of this book. The layout is good. Because the table of contents is also linky. So uh, <laughs> we go to the end and we get, where's advancement? Improvement. There we go. Here we go. Advancement. At the end of every game session, discuss and answer the following questions in the group. Each positive answer something? grants one experience point to the player character. Did you repair something? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that as the first one, too. Yes. Yes. Did you deliver on a dangerous contract? You get hired to do things to get money. Now you got the money, but did you complete it? Yes. Oh, experience point. Did you use at least one void point? You get experience points for that, not 18. <laughs> well, you still get one. Shut up. Did you discover a new and potentially dangerous place? It just says you can just be new. It doesn't have to be new. It could be new. Did you gain a new enemy? Did you find someone new you can trust? Did you contribute with something especially memorable? All of these yeses give you an experience point, and this is how you improve your character. Increase your ability, raising it to at most plus one. So you start with a minus three, right? In something. 
five experience points will make it a minus two. If you have uh, a zero in something, five experience points will get you a plus one. But if your if your attribute is already a plus one or higher, yep. it costs three times the value it's going to be in experience points to raise. They don't want you having a whole lot of pluses. This game does not want. Oh, they that. want you to make you wait to get there. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're going from one to two, two times three is six. It'll take six experiences to go six experience points to go from plus one to plus two on an attribute. You want to increase your maximum hit points by a D four cost you five experience points. You want to gain a cosmic mutation. One ability must be lowered by one. What? And then you roll random and you pay 15 experience points. Remember, you don't start off with a cosmic mutation. You can get one through void corruption or you buy one with experience. Gain one additional origin benefit. Remember, each origin benefit had two things. You want to gain the other one? It'll be 15. Now, the thing about this, it's not specific. It says gain one additional origin benefit. It doesn't say gain the other origin that you have. Gain the other benefit from the origin you have, does it? It doesn't say that. It says an origin benefit. By the reading of the rules, that would be a benefit from any origin, even one that's not yours. But that's up to you and the Game Master. So that's the, the basic uh, system of this game. Very easy. Uh, very easy to remember. Very easy to navigate. Very easy to advance. And the, the play is supposed to be role play heavy. That's what this game is. It's role play heavy, rules light. So if you're into that kind of game, this is for you. Easy to pick up, easy to learn. You can be on the ground running in 15 minutes or less. So yeah, my, after after what you you said here, I, I'm hmm. the rules of the game don't bother me. I don't mind that rules lightness. But this game needs a source book or something. needs needs an expansion book because after playing it once or twice, I could see not being interested in playing it again. You know, do once as a space station, do once as a spaceship. Because I mean, there are only six backgrounds. <clears throat> Excuse oh, me. Wait, 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 sorry, sorry. When you say once or twice, you mean a once or twice campaign? Yeah, yeah, campaigns. Okay, yeah. see, right. yeah, we don't make that distinction. Fair, once fair or enough. twice game session? No, man. There's no way you can do anything significant in one or two game sessions. No, no I, I agree with you there. I'm talking, you know, uh, with campaigns, or even if a lot of characters die because it'll start becoming very redundant. There are only six backgrounds. There are only you know, there's a limited number of things that it actually has there. Now, to be fair, I know somebody's going to say it, so I'm going to say it before you can put it in chat. The game master can come up with any additional ones that he wants to do for his game. Sure, I absolutely get that. I'm just saying that that by the book, I, I wish some of those things that were D6s would have been D20s. I understand. Take, take a little now, bit more time to come up with some more backgrounds or something. Okay, but, now, to help you out, there are listed factions on the Iron Ring. Several of them. So you can align yourself with this faction. It gives you this benefit, but it makes you an enemy of that faction. It's all very political and uh, <laughs> and, and, and role-play intensive. So each time you could choose something different, you could choose something the same, but work it differently. You can be, be on your own, whatever. So for, for, for a new campaign, there is options to play more than once or twice. There's probably, you can probably get three or four out of this, but uh, 
to to make any significant progress in this game, you're looking at months of of uh, of of game sessions. Which for the first time for the first playthrough, yeah, oh that that, that would be great. Well, how much does the book cost? Uh, I don't remember. Well, it's probably not going to cost more than ten bucks, especially a PDF. So get, getting getting a year's worth of role play out of a ten dollar PDF, I call that a win. Sure. I'm not complaining about the game. I'm just saying, like, the rules were fine because I can handle a rules light game as long as they're meaningful. And this seems meaningful enough to, has enough gravitas around it that mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's the character creation. Like, if you die four times, you're going to be starting to roll a lot of redundancy. I guess that's, that's my true. point. But uh, that that's when that's when you start hitting the random button on that website. Boom, random button. I'll play it. Or the game Roll master yourself. just starts coming up with some more things that, that fits the campaign yeah. that you guys have been playing in so far. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, all of these all of these background traits are for flavor. You and the game master can finesse them to fit the current campaign that you're in. That's easy. I'll take five, five, ten minutes of brainstorming. You can you can fit it into into your current campaign. If you just if just you died, right? You fit it in. That's fine. All right, let's, all right, let's, let's hit, some start comments. Yep. So the chat here said, I know that HD did not like the feel of this game, but the game sounds all sorts of awesome. It, You know what? In segment three, I fix the game. Oh, he fixes it. Teaser. Spoiler alert. He fixes the game. (laughs) I fixed the game. You're welcome. Okay. I like like the feel of it. Um, That whole dread that the universe is you know coming down on you but you don't know how long you have i mean it could be 100 years it could be 500 sure. years whatever yeah. uh I, i'm okay with it so i looked up event horizon it looks like hellraiser in space no yeah. event horizon is a is actually the okay the movie had a lot of production problems it could have been better than what it was but unfortunately there were issues behind the scenes but even with its abrupt ending it's still a dang good movie yes Yes, it is. And it is Hellraiser. Yes. I mean, it, uh, in the, in this, in this other universe, it is like, like being in the, in the puzzle box. It is, it is a hell dimension. It is awful. And yeah, so I don't know. I didn't it. see it like Hellraiser, but I guess it's definitely bloody. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Uh, this game is Traveler meets DCC. That's, that's, yeah. yeah okay. I can see that. Yeah. Got the DCC corruption, and you yeah, got the tra- traveler. Uh, <laughs> when you make a character, it's simplistic and wants to eat you right from the beginning. Uh, and or Hawkman says, hmm, "Switch one of sort of void corruptions like chaos and Warhammer." I don't know what a chaos bit, and Warhammer yeah. is, so a little bit. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, in 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 Warhammer, there's a there's a, a chaos uh, dimension where. Uh, they, that, that's how you, that's how you do faster and light travel in some aspects. And sometimes you can bring chaos corruption into, into the real world and it causes all kind of bad stuff. All right. Did not know that. All right, there we go. So hopefully y'all like that. Uh, like subscribe, share, do all the, all the YouTube thingies, do all the rumble thingies, but I don't know there where to go. find you on rumble here. Let me put this up here real quickly. You can see the rumble links on there. Back us on. And now we'll get into uh campaign oh, idea. Hang on. Give, me, give me a sec. Give me a sec. Yeah, no problem. Event Horizon is better if you don't know what is going into. Yeah, yeah. I like Event Horizon. I, I watched it for the first time in about a decade, uh, a month or two ago. And 
I liked it. I always thought that the ending was too abrupt. But... I don't want to be baby bear in that situation. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Cool. All right, to finish up segment two today, our third topic, Heathen Dog is going to tell us about campaign ideas. And apparently, if you watched our last segment, you'll know that he says he's going to fix the game. Did the game need fixing? Who knows? But he's going to do it anyway. And I'm going to breeze through these. Look at that. Hashtag RPGate. Core values of playing tabletop games. Know them. Love them. Read them first. Donate to our charity. Click on the little smiley dude with the little squiggles around his head. Also known as a QR code. And everybody will be happier for it, including yourself. And of course, there is our schedule. YouTube in the red. Twitch in the purple. And links below. Of course, I have a duty and obligation to make sure Heathen Dog cannot get his point across. And he's good at it. Subscribe. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, what do we have? What What is what kind of campaigns you got? Okay. Right now, you can float around in space. You can live on a space station. But really, what can you do? Okay. Here's the deal. You can take the book at face value as it is and create yourself a campaign that exists in a collapsing, ever more corrupted universe where the light is slowly going out not only for the stars, but for the civilizations that live around them. And you can bring that existential dread into your character's minds and hearts and giggle your way to, to oblivion as a game master. You can do that. That's fine. 100% fine. But the important thing about the background and, and about the, the, uh, the explanation of the game is what is not said. That's important. Now I started making distinctions like that in the, in the, in the general gameplay area, whereas something is not said can be important. Like you spend 15 experience points, you get a additional background and an additional origin benefit. It doesn't say your origin benefit. And that's important. It's also important here because here it says the vast blackness of space is collapsing in a slow grind towards eternal nothingness. But is there something causing it? Or is it natural? Now, if you want no hope, you say, oh, it's natural. Well, I can fight that. I can fight that with this game because you go to page 94 and we have creatures. These are void affected creatures why did the game turn yellow all of a sudden well look if you Very remember Mark the, all of a sudden yeah the, uh, the character creation webpage changed colors too the okay. book does it these are creatures of the abyss they are they are either from outside the universe or corrupted by energies from the void what they are isn't important what is important is that if they are corrupted by what is outside the universe, that means something is outside the universe. Whether it be energy, whether it be uh, some force that's pushing the universe together into a crunch, or maybe even some kind of godlike sentience. So these monsters are sucking up our dark energy that's supposed to expand our universe in order to come here through rifts. That's right, I said it. Okay. And now all of a sudden they're here. 
That is one possibility. (laughs) Another possibility is that these creatures of the abyss are a side effect by the energies of the abyss outside the universe having an effect shrinking our shrinking our universe into nothingness. Now, if something is doing this to our universe, it it points to the possibility that it can be stopped. If it's not a natural process, that means someone is doing it and it can be stopped. Will you succeed? Probably not. But is it possible? Maybe so. And there we enter Cthulhu. That's exactly right. Is it, it, Maybe there is a, a godlike, evil, primordial sentience that's crushing our universe and we can't stop it. Well, there you go. There's it. But what if you can? What if the process can be reversed? Nowhere in the background says it's, it's, it, it is, it cannot be stopped. It says it is happening. And on this path is the crush, the crunch of the universe going on this path. But does it say it's the only path? No, it doesn't. These creatures indicate there's some kind of energy or force from outside our universe affecting our universe. Maybe we can stop it. Maybe we can repair the holes in our universe so these this void energy does not come in. And void points, which which I spoke to during during character generation, are a byproduct of absorbing this energy into your body, using it to cause effects. That means it's real, it's tangible. It can be affected. It can maybe even be fought. But scientists reject the idea, so nobody's trying. Well, yeah. Sci- science does that. They, they like to prove things. I can get behind that. See, that's, that's the idea of void points and cosmic mutations. These are tangible effects of energy that does not belong in our universe. If it can't exist in our universe, it had to have come from somewhere else. It had to have. And if that's true, that means outside of our universe is not an empty nothing. It is something. Something can be fought. Something can be conquered. Something it bleeds, can we can be kill defeated. it. Nothing cannot. So it's up to the game master. It's up, up to the game master how he wants to run the campaign. Everyone can start off where the universe is dying and hopeless, or you can start off saying, oh, some people say it's dying. Scientists say it's not. Halfway through your campaign, science are like, okay, well, we, we, we can prove the universe is shrinking and we're all getting screwed. And the, But we, if we can prove it, that means there's fact. There's physical evidence. That means it's real. That means it can be fought, maybe even reversed. Maybe. And the, the character's now goal is to reverse the death of the universe. Is it possible? I don't know. You're the game master. You decide if it's possible. It's definitely going to be a Herculean effort. It's definitely going to be an, uh, a success or failure is going to be end of the campaign deal. But you don't have to have hopelessness. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You have to survive long enough to reach the light. Is everyone going to? No. But it's possible. And that's how you fix the game. 
I take away the existential dread. You're you're going against what the game is written for. No, I'm not. No, you kept it there. You you no. In fact, you gave them this little trickle, this little modicum of hope. So now yep. there is hope in the game. Just this little pinprick of light. Now it's up to them or and the game master to decide if that little pinhole becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and there's some real hope there or it just all goes away. Yeah, it all shrinks into nothingness because either it's not attainable or you didn't attain it. Look, look, That's entirely possible. You could just lose. Yeah. That's fine. I said that before happens. that I like this style of game where there is no hope or it's just how long can I survive? But on top of that, everybody wants a little bit of hope, even yeah. if it's just the hope of hope, so Pie to speak. in the sky nonsense. Oh, my God. It's a one in a billion chance. Still, it's there. Human beings will, if there's a only a one in a billion chance, they'll hang on to that yep. forever. Because it's all they have. It's either that or pull a bullet in your head. So they'll hang on to it. And that's how that's how you fix the game for some people who do not like the idea of the no win scenario. Which by by the written letter of this book, it is a no win scenario. But there's a way around it, not changing the book, but using what it doesn't say. And as the game master, it's your book. You can add letters and words and paragraphs all you want. Does the game actually give some adventure ideas in there? The the adventure, the very beginning adventure is putting you in one of the factions, putting you in uh, uh, working for one of the powerful factions that can jumpstart the repair of your particular hub, be it spacecraft or space station. And you can get it at least semi-functional. Right now, it's just life support that works. But... If you work for this powerful faction, you do this job for them, they'll fix up your hub. They'll give you propulsion if it's a if it's a spacecraft. They'll they'll give you fabrication facilities if it's a, a space station. It's up to the it's up to the player character what they want repaired, but they will repair it for you. It's it's an adventure designed to give you a leg up for the first day. So you're not starting completely in the hole where you you can use your hub for some tangible benefit after day one. Now, I'm not asking you to say that it's the best thing ever, put it on top of a shelf, or that you'd put it in your backyard and burn it right now. But just generally speaking, is this a game that if somebody were to say, hey, you know what, I'm thinking about uh, setting up a campaign, uh, playing it, that you'd be willing to give it a go? Yes. Yes, I would. The reason being is because if I was running it, I would play it with the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I could, I could do it. If, if, if I was a character, if I'm sorry, if I was running it, I would play it as a lightning tunnel. If I was a character and I was in the game, I would, I would ask the game master to make it the light of the end end of the tunnel thing. Even if we're, we, even if it's a lie, even if it's a lie, my character, my, my, my character, you know, just like every human being needs some kind of hope or else, you know, and that's it, you know? So yes, with that, the, with with the ease of gameplay, the ease of character generation, and the 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 uh, added quirk of void points and cosmic mutation, this is both easy and strangely, partially complex game to play, and uh, you can do it quick and have fun, and and you you can have up to up to six people. I think I think in a in a crew 
fairly simply. Yeah, you'd run out of backgrounds after that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, Mr. Max says, uh, the concept of a universe is a collection that everything, sorry, concept of universe is a collection that everything that exists. If something exists, how can it not be part of the universe? <laughs> really want to get to that philosophical? Because I, wow, I, I can do that. I can do that. Okay, okay. Uh, something can exist in a space that it, that it wasn't, that it can't be created in. So if another universe outside of this one is leaking into ours, it can leak in energy, matter, or creatures or ideas that, that cannot be replicated or recreated in our universe. Then it's not part of our universe. You can also get into dimensional theory with that as well, where the sure. universe is built upon what's I think 10 or 12 dimensions. I forget what it is, uh, where is that part of a universe? Is it not? Is it a, is it a physical property of the universe or is it something that holds multiple universes together? Are there multiple universes? Again, yeah. this is all yeah. theoretical stuff that people yeah. can argue about all they want. There's you only get one as universe. Lighter, as heavy as you want with this super science stuff. But yeah. it, again, it's up to the game master how yeah. deep you want to go. And then uh, Hunger Ewoks. So what you're saying is that there is a chance. Yes. And that line, that, that Mimi line is very appropriate for this game. <laughs> All right. Okay. Is that, is that everything then? That is it. That okay. is death in space. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good overview. Definitely learned me a couple of things about the game that, because uh, again, I thought it was around, I thought it was a space station around earth. I, no, no. I totally wrong. Well, there, there is more to it. The, there's yeah. all the factions I didn't get into all of the different destinations in different systems that are, that still have civilization on them. Some of them are mapped out. The system you're in isn't just this planet with the iron ring. There's the star. There's other planets that are gas giants, stuff like that. There are other notable locations that I they didn't get into that can enhance and create gameplay but they weren't important to get the feel and the gist of the game itself yeah and just for everybody's edification uh the 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 game mechanics segment dove in a bit because he kind of needed to uh but uh, this isn't the deep dives deep dives are segment one this is the overview if you want to know more either get the game or maybe ask a question in comments or maybe ask Ethan dog like dive into it buddy we want to know more how old is the game? Believe, it's only a couple years. 2021, I believe. It says it on the cover. Yeah, I, I backed yeah, it as a Kickstarter. 2021. It's okay. my book. Wow, that is a very nihilistic uh, and minimalist cover. Yeah. Where's my book? I don't see it. Anyway. All right, well, that's going to be it then for segment two. Now we'll bounce into segment three. We'll read some comments. We'll take your call-ins. Oh, I should do this right. Hold on. There we go. Time for segment three, where you get to call in. And uh, we'll also read through comments in the meantime. Uh, the last couple of times we did this, ever since we started reading off comments, people have stopped calling in. Maybe we'll uh, fix that. Thing. Maybe not. Yeah, go ahead I'm and call put in. I'm going to put in the link now. We're, do we're doing the reading of the comments. One, to give you guys a little more time to uh, to call in, also to prevent some dead space. Plus, sure. these videos, are, the segment threes are going out to the public now also. So, uh, you know, it, it just kind of, it's a gap filler. So here we go. 
get that off the screen put the rules up those are the rules check your audio and surroundings i don't want to hear you screaming at stuff i don't care about a jet flying overhead or your dog neighbor's dogs barking block all that stuff uh check your audio you ask uh, one question or make one comment we'll respond you're allowed one follow-up and then uh then you're out and we'll, and we'll respond and watch the language you, you know how to act like an adult so uh and i will get that uh link out too what is that oh okay out to the rumble folks oh. and let's start showing off the comments if i can find where i put the comments there they are percent share screen comments Oop. all right it's always so much fun to zoom in on these things all right so I'm not going to read comments to our comments for last week. That'd be weird. That'd be, yeah, it'd be too <laughs> That's meta. like looking into a mirror and recording. <laughs> uh, but so Riff's World Book 2 Atlantis. This is probably going to be for a heathen dog here. The Splin Dimensional Market. You explained it like a sacred straight talk. What, uh, scared straight talk. Is that good or bad? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. If, if you're a human being going to the dimensional market, you better mind your P's and Q's. Oh, good because point. Because at any moment, is. you can be just food or a slave or just plain old dead that's a good point i didn't realize what that was about but yeah that makes perfect sense I mean, yeah. you, you had to do it that way too uh, well well here's the other part of that is i think you're explaining to players and game masters at the same time that if you're just letting people just bebop around like they own the place and they're you're level one yeah. probably not doing it right yeah uh, we got mar oh. hawkman here oh okay go ahead and bring him in add him in mar hawkman hello what do you got hey um one thing that you guys were talking about early on with the Hyperborea stuff was yep. the whole like chance to hit thing. Yeah. The, the matrix, <sighs> the combat matrix. For, for for me, the simplest way I've ever seen a game do that. Well, kind of use ascending numbers on both sides, but again, well, I mentioned it before it's like the Space Empires games is that you know you have the attackers bonuses and the defenders bonuses, yep. and, and then you just roll a percentile to see whether you hit. <laughs> okay. My my but only issue is is it's easy to figure out. Like, Heathen Dog had a method. I have a method. Uh, we were just trying to present it the way the book says it because oh, that's what we were reading. Uh, I don't like that's probably the one thing I don't like the way the book presents, simply because either focus it all on the chart. The, uh, the up and down and the across or focus it all on that target number having some of it focused on the target number and then some of it focused on the die roll it's not confusing in any way no, shape or form it's, but, it's needlessly complicated yeah it, so that, that's that's my only point now there's a consistency side of that though and and i think crafty pointed it out last week and that's this or maybe you pointed it out last week Eden Doug, which was Every negative, no matter how it's presented, is a penalty. doesn't matter if you add, subtract, whatever. That minus two means a, a penalty of two. So at least there is a consistency in that regard. You just got to figure out where it's being applied. Yeah, that, that's the thing that, that, that uh, I think a lot of people would, would get confused by. It's like, wait, the, the, what, which negative numbers are good and which ones are yeah. bad? <laughs> That was really the only point I was trying to make on that one. So uh, it wasn't that the book was done wrong or, oh, my God, we got to figure out a new way of doing it. It's just like I was looking for the consistency side of it. And where did I miss that? And mm. ultimately, I didn't, unfortunately. So there's as far as we were talking about it, and he didn't correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I think you were more book and I was more my own way, if I remember. But but either way works. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's definitely something where once you know which perspective you're supposed to be looking at it yeah. from, it exactly. makes sense. It's just, you know. Yeah. For me, it was all, it's, it goes back to Thacko. I was just treating it like Thacko because I know it so well that, but so when I'm looking at this all here, it's like, okay, that's plus, that's a minus. I know this goes to die. I know this goes to that. So I, I didn't need the game rules to tell me what to do, but I'm trying to express it. And I, like I said, probably did it as clear as mud. I'm trying to express it in a way that where the book is pointing it out. Hmm. And so not what my own brain is saying. I, I like to do that after I do what the book is saying, but that was a little bit more difficult there. So yeah. anyway. Thank you, Mar Hawkman. Mm -hmm. All right, have a good day. You too. All right, uh, next comment here. By the way, folks, the link is out there. All you have to do is click on that. You can pop on in and talk to us. Let's see. Uh, Onion Scribe said, never got to do an Atlantis-based campaign. Running a game where you could get kidnapped and sold while going shopping is such an interesting possibility. See, that's a guy who gets it. <laughs> that's, he gets it. Yeah. He gets it. Oh. It's going to do this to me again, really? Okay. Clicky. Clicky. There. Cheaper, cheaper. Uh, that's not about this. I'll read that later. See, I ran a Shadowrun campaign set in West Ac Africa. Okay. Where, tip where, where the typical poor people were referred to as rice bags because wow. that's what their life was worth. A burlap bag of rice. Nice. I don't know what that has to do with the Splin dimensional market, but that's kind of funny. Probably that <laughs> life is cheap. It is it. cheap, yes. <laughs> or shop. rice is horribly expensive. It depends on your perspective. Yeah, fair, yeah. <laughs> Owen Perry says, shop till you drop. Or or shop and then drop. Uh, it could be either way. <laughs> Ooh, Doug Perry. Uh-oh, this has got to read more on it. Here we go. Always loved when the players said they wanted to go to the Atlantean market. It was always fun to watch them get there, only to find out they could easily end up getting sold on the market or even served on the menu. Again, this is another game master who seems to get it. Gets it. 648. Oh, I love it. Timestamp. I don't know what timestamp time goes stamp. to, but I like the fact that I can reference and thank you for that. Yes, it has a standard warning Kevin placed in all of his... Oh, okay. Riff's books, plus a couple other notes about how gruesome biowizardry is. Yes. I have never, and this goes back to me being a kid reading AD&D and so forth. I've never liked supported or appreciated any of those things. Remember in the 90s, it used to be like, magic is bad, people. Don't do it. You Don't, don't go kill yourself. If you need to be told that, you need to be doing other things than playing a role-playing game anyway. Need some professional help. I get it on Kevin's side or AD&D side or whatever game you you got at that point. They're doing it CYA to yeah. not to not get sued and so forth. I don't blame Kevin or anybody for putting it on there. I've just always thought that those things were nonsense. And anyway, yeah. Wasn't right then and it's not right now. <laughs> uh, ooh, retring. Think you should... Uh, you should become oh, okay. This is spam. Go away. Die in a fire. Wow. Okay, this is on an old one from ours, and holy crap, dude. It's a schlowy book. <laughs> I know. I will read this. I who's who wrote this? PGI films. I will read this. I'm just not gonna do it on screen and uh, stream here. Uh talk about the two e spot. What was this episode? PDF versus physical is a and d 2e bad. I don't remember what we talked about in this one. Well, he's got time stance everywhere, so yeah. you're good to go. There you go. Uh, not going to do no. comments to comments. Super fun story. Tattoo magic with some awesome stuff. I've never liked that concept in any game. Not even books that I like. The Deathgate cycle. I've never liked tattoo magic in any game. What are your thoughts? Isn't that part of um, uh, Nation Super Spies? Tattoo magic. Um, the, the chi magic, or whatever. Isn't that part in there? Well, there, there's there's chi magic in Ninja Super Spies. Yes. 
but not uh not a straight tattoo, up tattoo. Okay. There, there's elixirs and items and stuff but i'm not i don't i don't recall any specific tattoo magic but there I've could ne- be there i've never be. liked it I, i've always thought it was a dumb concept no matter what game or, or book or novel series again it's personal preference you know i get it so here's, here's one the mechanoids versus the four horsemen that's a tough one that is a tough one Ooh, individually i'd say the mechanoids would win but they wouldn't want to fight because the four horsemen aren't human. And I mean, some of them aren't even humanoid, but once they merge together, there is no winning. There is no winning against that. Well, Hawkman, I'm just not going to read comments about comments that we were talking about. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not, I'm not going to do another, this was our last week's comment section. That'd be weird. That's like I said, it's like looking into a mirror with the mirror behind you and you got that infinity thing going on. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. But uh, I, I will definitely read it later. Rob Necronomicon, good to see him back. He is, I don't know if he wasn't watching our videos for a while or for, if you know something's wrong, but good to see him posting here again. Uh, by the way, uh, he does a lot of uh, artwork, if I remember correctly, or is it writing? It's either artwork or writing for uh, Grimm. Sweet. So uh, very informative as always. Hyperborea is at the cutting edge of the OSE movement. The OSE or OSR movement? Because <laughs> OSE is a game. A yeah, lot I of people, uh, but that that type of game, yes. Yeah, fair, fair. I like them both. See, I like them both for opposite reasons. OSE, with the exception of the pronoun thing, but they're Brits, is is, a, is how you want to put together a technical manual in minimalist script. Literally, just say, when you do this, this happens. Okay. What I like about Hyperborea is it adds the feel to the game inside that and that can a lot of times ruin it i mean let's be honest we've said it a few times about palladium he gets a little you know things start getting disjointed where where they should be um but hyperborea is the epitome of that example of how to have the flair of the game by using words like betwixt and treble and what we what was the word we looked at shoon (laughs) like like oh and uh uh, what was the word I looked up? Oh yeah, um, um, pet, pet, not petrification. Yeah, I, I forget. Petrifraction. Petrifraction. Whatever the hell the word was. Petrifaction. <laughs> no, petrifaction. That's it. The the act of being petrified. Petrifaction. That that right there is how you you put the lore or or the feel the tone. There we go. The tone of the setting in with the game rules. Hyperborea does it perfectly, and I do like tone. So that is a perfect way of doing it. So um, these videos are gold, dude. Oh, well, thank you, Coco, oh, who's nice. watching right now. Coco Shuko, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Splugorth, awesome review on this. Can't wait to see more about Atlantis. Well, you're not going to unless you request more. Is that a request? That, that should be a request, but it's not worded correctly. And as we <laughs> learned from Death in Space, it's all in the words, baby. You didn't put it's it in the form of a question. <laughs> it's what you say and what you don't say. It's all important. Uh, this would be for you later on. Something about Nima and the Coalition. Uh, point blank, this is one of the funnest games, in my opinion. I got hip to it in second edition, but third edition is still solid. Yeah, same here. So it was one of, believe it or not, it was one of Rick's people, Elgarians. Yeah. Well, I was talking with him a few years ago, or a couple years ago, and he's like, you really got to check out Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer Hyperborea. I said, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard for a game. Yes. And then I, I looked into it and said, holy crap, I like this better than D&D other than the setting but I, what's weird is i didn't pick up on the setting thing at first 
Like I just was looking through the classes and the rules. Like right. this is great. Love it. Then you were like, freaking Saturn. What? Yeah, putting on Saturn. It's, uh, I'll just ignore that part. Uh, I don't know what wrong is about. Oh, wrong, wrong is um. That never mind. We won't go into that. And Prometheans, Prometheans. Are we done? Oh, Blue Earth. Oh, you responded to this one, so I won't. Uh, I'll just here here. Anybody else? Will, l- l- last last call for alcohol as we get through these ones that he's already responded to. If yeah, you guys uh, want to call in, put the link out there again. There you uh, do good. You responded to a lot of the oh, Splinkrith. Did I said that right? Wrong. Did nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah, it's just, I, I didn't I didn't bother responding to that comment. It, it's on its own funny. Okay. Mm, Spoogorth, tasty. Tastes like calamari. Yeah, yeah, calamari. <laughs> The Sploog <laughs> Squirrel Hermit. Uh, all right. Now we're getting to the older ones again. I think, yep, I think that's it. All right. Yep. That's all we're going to do anyway. So there we go. Yeah. I will give about another minute here for you to follow up with any questions, comments, concerns, so forth, before I think we get ready to end this, unless somebody calls in before then. It's three, three weeks in a row that we've been doing this. At P- you know, I think it's a con- they're afraid of the comments. That's, that's true. Now, I, I got to talk about uh, Death in Space. Uh, okay. something else it, it it is so simple that you can teach anyone to play it in 15 minutes and start playing but it is not a one-shot type game it is a campaign type game because you can't do anything significant in one two even three game sessions i mean the first game session only thing you do is turn the lights on in your hub that's it and then everything else is just a slog. It is tooth and nail. Claw your way from broke to getting by. And that uh, that is not, you know, one, two, three game sessions. That is a campaign. So, so uh, it is one of those games that is very dichotomous. Usually the more complicated games are ones made for long campaigns. And the mm-hmm. simple games are made for one shots and, and small you know, one, two, three shot deals. Mm-hmm. This one is opposite. It is made very simply, but it has to be used. If used properly, it has to be used in a long campaign. Starship Warden. If you if crafty said it in chat, but I agree with them. I've got it up there. It's a big, thick book. If Starship Warden is a perfect example of a game that I think that death in space would be amazing. for. And what's, what's cool about what heathen dog just said is I, I agree with them. Usually when a game is rules light, especially when it gets two rules light, it's like, I don't want to play this game forever. Like, I don't care how good your story is or whatever's mm-hmm. going on. The mechanics are boring. Like, there's there's nothing interesting. Yes, I need mechanics in the games. I'm not trying to do improv. I can no. do improv on my own by talking with Heathen Dog right now. I do want some mechanics to the game. You know, dice pool or whatever. And when I first looked at the rules of this game, I was like, just a D20 and no skills? Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I was actually really excited when he was covering it because I've been pushed away from this game for, for a few reasons that I won't get into here. But after him talking about it, I have a much more open mind about the system itself. The setting is something that I dig already. But the, <laughs> but the, the system, I agree with him on that. Normally, a rules light game is, well, we'll play it for a few weeks and then get bored. Now, this one... Because you, one, your character's probably going to die seven times already, so whatever. But you know, uh, but the rules don't get in the way of the game, but they're definitely part of. I'm sorry, the 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 ability scores they don't get in the way, 
not they're not like so far out there you don't have to deal with them no you're you're still rolling your ability scores and the ability scores make general sense especially if you once we go into the other free league games you're gonna not in the mechanics as a whole but you're going to see a bunch of similarities in in concept well, I, how about that you know, i i saw a similarity with uh with the idea of your of the player characters hub with uh, mechatron where you have your 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 place that you have to keep constantly upgraded and repaired all that stuff yeah and it's it's kind of like that you have to constantly upgrade and, and repair your spaceship or your or your space station because like i said you roll badly you could break something you know you got to keep repairing it because that's your lifeblood that's your home you have to keep repairing it or you're lost you're drifting nowhere in space you're stuck you're stuck i got a spoiler for you Every free league game we cover has that built into the game. It's one of the reasons why I love the Year Zero Engine games. It's built into every one of them somehow. Okay. So, with that, simpler games uh, typically seem to make high fatality less annoying. Yeah, that annoying thing, but but here's how I look at You know, people complain about Palladium, right? Oh my god, it takes two hours to make a Palladium character. Well, then don't die. Yeah. Play <laughs> like, smart. Run, uh, yeah, you know, well, or again, it's not. It's easier said than so, done. Sometimes I get it, but uh, I like. I don't like games that are overly complex. Like the reason I tolerate Battlelords of the Twenty Third Century is because I know the niche that it is. It is a military simulation game packaged in a role playing game. I know that going in. You know what I do when I play that game? I very much trust the game master. You're going to have to because there's so many variables that yeah. you won't be able to hold on to them all. Right. And if you do, well, you've got experience. Now, my experience with the game, I played at Gen Con and that is pretty much it. But I always try to find a game to play at Gen Con. Um, I, I just know what I'm going in with that. I generally don't like games like that, but it does. It scratches an itch that I have somewhere, right? Uh, Palladium, Palladium isn't as crunchy. Like we were chatting with somebody on our Discord who came over looking for some Palladium things. Palladium isn't as crunchy as people think. And one of the things I think that people get hung up on, I've done it as a player as well. I bet you Heathen Dog can raise his hand at some point, is we get hung up on some of the rules. Where's the rule for this? I need it. Instead of just making a ruling. And it could be because, like I was saying before in the Hyperborea thing, players will whine about anything. Where's that short range? I wanted it right at that 60 foot. Well could have wanted it there but you didn't you didn't say that and i wouldn't give that to you yeah yeah the, the uh, best you can do is short medium long gauging yeah. and that's it right sorry um you know in there's vehicle combat rules there's jet rules there's robot rules there are different robot rules and all types of different things that involve themselves in palladium but there's one benefit that that i think a lot of people see as a problem but i see as a benefit it all goes on your character sheet. Did you see that I linked my combat sheet for Teenage Mutant yes. Ninja Turtles? Did you see that was a full yes. page? A full page of all the possible modifiers for almost all the possible situations you could possibly be in. And included are you, are, ninjas are you, and super spies. On, on, the, on the back of a moving truck laying down, <laughs> aiming aiming a, a, a sniper rifle at the moon, I got, a, I got the bonuses for that. But there's a you reason know? why I do that. Because I don't have to go look it up. No, it's, it's right, right there, there. on it's the fast. character sheet. Most of my character sheets that aren't made like that are a notebook. And I will write those things down. Like when I come across, I'm like, oh, crap. If I'm doing it now, I might need to new, do it again in the future. You should see my, my Rift's character from when... So your game? When I played Elemental, or was that Al's game? That was Al's game. Al's game, okay. When I played uh, uh, Elemental? Or no, maybe it was Bob's game. No, that was Bob's game, because that's when he gave me the damn alarm clock. Um, 
Yeah, right. But I have a notebook full of things, basic character information here, the typical stuff you'd find, ammo, blah, 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 cybernetics. And then a bunch of pages after that of like what my bonuses and modifiers would be in certain situations. And I do that intentionally. So I think that should be on a character sheet. I, I have zero problems with that because now I'm ready to go and I don't have to look it up. But I think people get hung up on looking up and getting exact rules too often in a game like Palladium, which is meant to be more cinematic than a game like Pathfinder. Right. You can just, you, the, the game master can wing it and then sort it all out after the game. And then everyone will know when it comes up again, it'll be right. I don't know if he knows. He doesn't know. Or if. He doesn't that's know. one hell of a troll. <laughs> elemental ISO. Elemental ISO. <laughs> anyway, that's going to end the stream now because I hate everybody now because of that there one. <laughs> no, I <laughs> now, thank you for everybody uh, for being here. Uh, it sounds like you already did it, but I'll give you the opportunity. Do you want to do words of wisdom, or are we, are we good to go? Or no, we're we're good to go. Okay. So I will put the thank you screen up because you guys all deserve it. I really appreciate appreciate you all being here. Uh, Friday, we're going to talk about kids in gaming uh, or how to run games for children. Got a couple of people who want to step up for that one. Hopefully, can find one or two more that want to talk about that and uh, whatever else. What other Ever other weird shenanigans happens on the Friday Night Show stream. The video, the stream that this is going to lead into, I think is Bruce Lombardo's stream. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow. Oh, it'll be tomorrow. Well, well, hey, you can get a front row seat uh, where he'll be doing his uh, movie reviews with Janet from Another Planet. And other than that, I will be playing in the Pathfinder 2 game as soon as I get these, uh, these uh, post-video things taken care of and uh, going to have to read a whole ton of Discord chat, apparently, <laughs> on how I'm supposed to tone down my roleplay. But uh, with that, whether you're watching Rumble, watching on Twitch, or watching on YouTube, I want to thank you all very much, and I hope each and every one of you has a wonderful week.